Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from the Green Man Inn, discussing the 1973 horror classic, The Wicker Man. This film was directed by Robin Hardy from a screenplay by Richard Schaefer. Loosely adapting elements from David Penner's novel Ritual, The Wicker Man combines horror and mystery with mythology, theology, and a surprising amount of musicality. As it draws inspiration from ancient Celtic paganism, this film has proven an incredibly influential entry in the subgenre of folk horror, and along with achieving cult status and critical acclaim, would go on to spawn a remake in 2006 and a companion film in 2011. This film was suggested to us by friends of the show Gareth Evans, Claire Sutton, Ian Graham, Brent Payne, Jason Keane, and Titanic Discussions over on YouTube. Thank you all so much for your continued support of the show, as well as this suggestion. So, The Wicker Man, what were your first impressions on the film? Uh, this was the first time I ever watched this movie. I and I'll and I'll even be honest. I knew of the Nick Cage Wicker Man. Of I knew nothing of this. <laughs> uh huh. This isn't a bad movie. It's very strange. It um very strange. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh it me and your sister were talking the other night and she had mentioned that how much she didn't realize Midsummer took from this movie. It's unbelievable. And watching it hearing her say that and then I was like, "Oh, I was like, okay, I was like, I get it." Yeah. Um I will say for me Midsummer worked a little more, but th- this movie isn't bad. If you've never seen it, it's at least worth watching once. Um, not in a bad way, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like if you only watch it once that I feel like that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a bad way. Yeah. No, 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 I mean like, because you could either like it or you could not. Uh And if you don't like it, at least you gave it that one shot. You Uh know what I mean? And if you didn't like it, you know what I mean? I, I would watch it again. Okay. I'm not saying I wouldn't, I'd watch it again, but the movie's a fucking ride. (laughs) Yeah. It, there's so much that's unexpected about it. Right. And from what you hear about it going in, you get the one thing that everybody knows about it. Yeah. Right, right. But the way to that thing yeah. is very surprising. Yeah. No, very surprising because I feel like, and I had never seen this before either. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen clips and of course we all kind of know what the Wicker Man is just right, right. because of culture at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. But, um, Watching it, I'll say maybe 10, 15 minutes in, I was like, okay, first of all, is this a fucking musical? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Secondly, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah. it was a lot stranger than what I had anticipated. I right. really felt like I kind of already knew, because you know what's going to happen, or mm. I knew what was going to happen. Right. Like, it would be a straight line to there, right, and it really right. wasn't. No, there so, was a lot of <laughs> yeah. detours. It was, uh, it, I was pleasantly surprised because there were moments where I'm like, what the fuck is about to happen? Yeah, yeah and it kept you on your toes. Oh, yeah, it did. yeah. Um, and <laughs> there were some bobs. <laughs> <laughs> There are some that I I would have, (laughs) I I would put on my iPod shuffle. I'm not (laughs) not shuffle. I don't know. I will say there's no warm side of the door. That was my thing too. I was like, oh, this is almost silent night, deadly night. And then it got to a point and I was like, damn it. (laughs) The funny thing about it is as I was watching it, I was like, I don't know if JP's going to like this. 
but Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. <laughs> that was my one thing oh, I was yeah. the holding on to it. Yeah. But I I did say that about Midsummer. I right. feel like Midsummer is if the Wicker Man ate some mushrooms and threw up. And that's, <laughs> I mean, and I love Midsummer, mm. uh-huh. but it is undeniable how much this influenced. Oh, yeah. It's almost surprising. I knew, I think we even talked about it on the Midsummer episode, mm-hmm. what we remembered or knew of the Wicker Man yeah. showing up, right. but how much of it is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The influence, and it's not just on Midsummer; it's on various other folk horror films oh, yeah. that just borrow freely from the Wicker mm-hmm. Man. Uh, interestingly, we did cover Midsummer on episode 15, which was exactly 100 episodes ago. Holy shit. Oh, we nice. keep doing shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Like that's like this on accident. My mind is I blown. I can't even talk. <laughs> I, I, I will agree that it is a very strange film. Mm-hmm. It's very surprising because I did not know about all the music. I did not know just how horny this film was. It is very horny. I think that Thirst still takes the crown for horniest film we've ever covered. Oh, but, yeah. But this one's, it's it's peeking in the window. <laughs> uh, it's like, <laughs> it is. It is and it isn't for me. Uh-huh. Like, because I had told your sister, and when we get to it, I'll go ahead and say it there. But I noticed in certain scenes or activities, things were going on that were should have been the other way around but it, it was just like i said when we get there I'll, okay I'll talk, you're, you're speaking in riddles yeah. well i don't we haven't gotten in, we haven't gotten to the movie that's yet, true so, yeah. yeah you're like what am i yeah. i'm like what <laughs> but walks on two legs yeah. <laughs> but um even with all that considered i was like i really like this but then when i rewatched it to you know kind of get a more fresh take on it right right because my memory is dog shit these days i was like i think i love this film there's like it's such a strange charm to it and you kind of get sucked in by the people of summer isle and christopher lee is just christopher lee yeah Yeah. oh no yeah i uh was a little shook because I had never seen Christopher Lee this young before. Yeah. No. Like it took me a second to recognize that it was him. And so I looked it up. I was like, he had to be what? 30 something. He was fucking 51. With this movie. <laughs> yeah. like, my mind was. Blown. Yeah. Your sister told me that too. I was like 25. She yeah. was like, he's 50. I was like, like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, shit. What the hell? Cause we're used to seeing him. He is a wizard. Much, much yeah. older. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> Clearly. It was so strange to me because I, I guess I was like, I guess I've only seen him seventies and on, like, yeah. you know? Yeah. And not 19, his seventies. Yeah. yeah. And it's nuts because he did have such a massive career before this yeah because he was doing all those hammer horror films and this film actually grew out of an idea of richard schaefer who was a playwright Mm -hmm. and he wanted to work with i guess christopher lee and christopher lee wanted to get not necessarily out of hammer horror but he wanted to try something different yeah yeah so you got these two people coming together that have an idea to try something new Mm -hmm. and then they meet with a producer i think it was a canadian guy called peter snell but the three of them optioned that book I talked about, Ritual. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 15,000 pounds. All right. I read in The Independent. And then they eventually went on. Now, there's a lot taken from Ritual, uh-huh. but a lot of it is Schaefer's writing. But later they would kind of shit on Ritual and be like, well, that story wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, The Wicker Man's the improved yeah. version Damn. of it. But um, 
they hook up with the director Robin Hardy and during like it is unbelievable the shit they went through to make this film but I'm just going to touch on a few things very quickly because uh-huh. in pre-production I learned this from the Wicker Man Enigma which was a little documentary they made mm-hmm. Robin Hardy had a heart attack Oh, shit. He had a hearty attack? He had a hearty attack. <laughs> <laughs> and so... That's not funny. No, it's not. <laughs> You're like, his heart is <laughs> I'm like, nay. I live Holy for a pun. shit. You're like, you live by the Sorry. pun. <laughs> you die by the pun. <laughs> but um, while he was recuperating from the heart attack, him and Schaefer had started researching all of the Celtic paganism that they were going to use in the film and so him being laid up actually helped the film in a weird way Uh but obviously spring and summer play a huge role in this film yeah Mm -hmm. and the difficulty was whenever it came time to make the film i believe it was british lion which was the production company at the time they had been bought out by some random billionaire that I forgot his name. (laughs) (laughs) But he kind of rushed them into production because everybody thought he bought it just to sell all the assets. And he's like, okay, well then we need to make this film. And so they had to rush and go into production, which is why it was filmed in November, December. And so they had to fake a bunch of shit for the springtime. Yeah, because I did read about them having to glue leaves onto trees and stuff like that. Yeah, (laughs) And they were so freezing in the fucking Scottish winter. Oh, man. I think they said that some of the extras and the crowd shots, they had to have ice in their mouths Damn. so that you couldn't see the smoke that they were exhaling. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, so that is through the production, all these issues. Yeah. And they had to be naked for a lot yeah, of it. Yeah, they did. There was, there's a scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a few. But the thing got even worse whenever it came time for distribution because at that point, British Lion had sold to EMI. And so the way that they thought of things back then is like, well, that's the old fucking guard that wanted to make the Wicker Man. We didn't want to do that shit. Yeah. And so they tried to sell it to Roger Corman, who we talked about a lot on yeah. the show. Mm-hmm. And Roger Corman was like interested in it, but he just suggested a few cuts here and there. And they're like, fine, we'll do fucking, we're going to cut 15 minutes of it. Oh my God. Wow. And so they infuriate Christopher Lee, like the guy in charge, Michael Dealey. He gets with the editor. He tells him to make all these cuts. He told Christopher Lee that this is one of the 10 worst films he's ever seen. What the fuck? Yeah. I, I saw an interview with Christopher Lee and with Edward Woodward. That's a hard name I had to say. Yeah. <laughs> I had to say you slow. focused I'm, so hard. That was laser focused. <laughs> and they were uh, saying how devastating that was to hear. Yeah. And, I mean, the work that they had to put into that for someone to be like, oh, this fucking sucks. Yeah. And like, that, I can't well, imagine. And I mean, it's a low, but I think it was made less than a million dollars. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like you're hurting the studio by doing so much shit. Right, right. But Christopher Lee believed in the film so much that he kind of went and championed it. Mm-hmm. And he not only, he told critics in the UK that he would buy their ticket to see the film. Right. If All they right. would just review it. And he said that they didn't ask him to pay for their ticket. They went on their own. And then it started getting all this critical acclaim. Yeah. yeah. Then it goes to the U.S. Unf- oddly, not with Roger Corman. So his fucking thing didn't even come into play. Yeah. yeah. And so it goes to the U.S. It starts to become this like cult classic. It grows. And then they wanted to do a director's cut. And rumor has it that they were building a highway outside of Shepperton Studios and they sent the negatives to that studio so that they could make the director's cut. And somebody put the wrong film with the negatives. And the rumor has it that those 
negatives were part of a landfill that is buried under that highway now. That makes no fucking yeah. sense. Yeah, I don't. Christopher Lee said he doesn't believe <laughs> that, it. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> but it was because of Corman because they sent him the full cut of the film whenever they were gonna try to get him to buy it. Uh-huh. So they were able to put together a director's cut years later because of that circumstance. All right. But this film went through so much fucking yeah. shit. Yeah. So did those negatives end up where the scenes from Event Horizon ended up? <laughs> yeah. because, uh, can we find all of that? I please? want them spliced together in a supercut. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we offer this film to the gods, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's gather around the maypole. So the film begins with on-screen text reading, The producers would like to thank the Lord Summer Isle and the people of his island off the west coast of Scotland for this privileged insight into their religious practices and for their generous cooperation in the making of this film. What? I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because my first note was, is this real? Yeah. And then yeah. I watch it and I'm like, no, I really no. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have had that text. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's some like found footage shit, yeah. right? Yeah. They're like, oh no, publish it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I don't know what they were trying to do with that. No, That was the only thing that like completely confused unless, me. Yeah. Unless it's supposed to make you feel going in like this is kind of maybe lighthearted or this is just a depiction of their religion or right, something like right. that and then we get into it and it's like no this is yeah, a yeah. good feelings gone maybe I don't know but after finishing it I was like they wouldn't have no <laughs> <laughs> and it's a straight up film too yeah so I mean are they implying that they're there's the Lord Summer Isle out there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's Christopher Lee yeah. <laughs> But to the sound of seagulls, we fade in on a seaplane cruising through the water, the engines coming to life as it ascends into the sky, and we see the title, Anthony Schaefer's The Wicker Man. I did think it was odd for the screenwriter to get the title of uh, the credit yeah. above the title, but apparently he was kind of a famous writer at the time. Mm-hmm. He had done, I think, a, a film called Frenzy and a play called Sleuth that turned into a film. Right. So, so it's a it's a draw. Yeah. Oh, all right. It's almost like Stephen King's. Yeah. Right. yeah. Doctor Sleep. I don't know why I chose Dr. that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I loved uh, Rose the Hat, but. <laughs> We watch as the seaplane flies over the water and small islands, all to the tune of a woman singing a song titled The Highland Widow's Lament. The song is about a woman who has lost her joy after the death of her husband in the war. So we are continuing with this uplifting kind of... uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that is interesting to me is that the majority, if not all of this film, was filmed on location. But I read that these islands that he's flying over were actually off the coast of South Africa because they had the vegetation necessary and Scotland didn't. Uh, that makes right. sense. Because, I mean, it was fucking two degrees or Yeah, yeah it was like it's winter. Yeah. yeah. But piloting the plane is Sergeant Neil Howey, played by Edward Woodward, and he consults a map as he flies over what appears to be those finely manicured farmlands, Mm -hmm. and eventually an entire village with really nice-looking seaside homes. Right. Um, Very good job saying his name, (laughs) (laughs) because I'm incapable. Um, (laughs) I just appreciate that when he got in that plane to make his journey, he loaded up a fire-ass mixtape. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. Because we got a corn rig song coming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking bop. 
the song switches <laughs> to a much more upbeat <laughs> little ditty called Corn Rigs, which appears to be about a man who made love to a woman called Annie among, well, Corn Rigs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's the widow from the first song good for them she, uh, yeah she got her groove back I'm, yeah. I'm happy for her. <laughs> it's uh it's a st- that's her arc i appreciate right. it <laughs> but as we said in the intro there's a lot of fucking musical breaks oh my god uh apparently this was brought on by the research that they did because they found out that like in ancient celtic mm-hmm. religion songs were very important. Right. Part of rituals and all this okay. stuff. So they tried to have that play in. All right. Um, the music was done by a guy called Paul Giovanni, and this was actually the first film he ever scored. Oh, okay. And it's interesting because he does he, he scores it unlike any other. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no. He put his whole ass into this. <laughs> yeah. They said that some of the song lyrics were from poems written by a guy called Robert Burns in the 1700s. And others were from way back in the, like, there's a song at the end that's from, like, the 1300s. Yeah. Like, they just picked all right, from all everywhere. Right. <laughs> but it does feel like, and it, not at this point, but it feels like a musical later. <laughs> it does. Yeah. That's why it kind of, in the back half, tapers off. But the first half of the movie, I was like, I didn't, yeah. I did yeah. not know that The Wicker Man <laughs> was a musical. No, nobody told me that. <laughs> <laughs> but Howie lands the seaplane in front of a building marked Harbor Master. He tosses his anchor and calls out to a few men standing outside to send him a dinghy. The men are Old Fisherman, played by Kevin Collins, and the Harbor Master himself, played by Russell Waters, which I thought was a funny coincidence with the name. Yeah. yeah. But the Harbor Master asks Howie if he's lost his bearings, but after confirming that this is in fact Summer Isle, Howie once again asks for a dinghy. As several men gather around him, the harbor master says that he can't do that because Howie isn't allowed to land on private property without written permission. As if his uniform wasn't a dead giveaway. Yeah. yeah. He lets them know that he's a police officer and a complaint has been filed in regard to a missing child on the island. So private property or no, it better get real dingy real fast. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I took two full ass songs to get over here. Fool. He's like, somebody so come fucking, get me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was about four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the harbor master like turns around. He looks at the other guys almost like this fucking guy. And he does send the dinghy. Though. Yeah, it's already there's like this sense of this is a cop and i know you know whatever but this is a movie uh-huh. the cop is here to help right yeah and the fact that they're like uh are you allowed to be like already it's yeah. weird like there's something off it it does begin that way and it's interesting to me because there's like these little moments between the harbor master and all these men that you can see something is working yeah, well, yeah. It's, you it's, know it's very um outsider like we all can have this conversation or we all know what we're thinking kind of just looking at each other and Uh you have no idea what's going on Mm. and that in its own way is very scary yes if you're howie yeah like uh, these are my friends yeah let me be be clear i'm not gonna defend this man for long okay but (laughs) (laughs) it starts yes i'm like and it, after he says why he's here and everything, and they're still just like, well, I, I'm yeah, like, what yeah. the fuck? Because he's noble. It's noble. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk as it yeah. continues. Yeah. 
But various townsfolk take notice of Howie as he sails across on a red dinghy, and we get another taste of corn rigs again. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <For> it made <laughs> me laugh. Yeah. My lighter is in the <laughs> air. <laughs> There's also like a blue eye that's painted on the dinghy, mm-hmm. which I know is supposed to be good, but this eye feels eerie, right? Well, the evil eye is like, wards off evil like it's supposed to protect you but like don't this, listen to the name yeah, yeah. No, this, it, this looks scary yeah and i did read that the village or whatever the people that lived there this was just some dude's boat like they didn't paint that for the movie that's so, what his yeah his, yeah it's just on there uh, it's yeah. just, <laughs> is he afraid of like sea monsters I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> like, he's like i'm not trying to get fucked up by cthulhu yeah <laughs> But Howie dusts himself off and properly introduces himself to the harbor master, who does seem to take the subject of a missing child somewhat seriously. He even suggests that Howie share his concern with his lordship, as he is very particular of who lands on the island. I'm a fucking cop. Yeah. <laughs> Called here about a missing child. What do you yeah. mean you're particular about yeah, who like, comes on the I'm island? Not sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? But Howie says that he will eventually in due time speak to his lordship, admitting his own particularities as well. But he shows them a picture of a girl called Rowan Morrison, saying that it was sent along with an anonymous letter posted here in Summer Isle and sent to him directly and personally. So there is a scene that was cut of him receiving this letter in photo, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't end up in this version of the film. Yeah. But I think, honestly, that it doesn't need it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we need to see him getting it. No. I mean, well, I mean, what's this? It's, yeah, yeah it's sent know? to him personally, and then he comes and says it was sent to him personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we don't really need little, it. Little, yeah, we saw it, guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he gives the photo to the harbor master, and he passes it around to the men. They barely give it a cursory glance, and all the men either say that they've never seen her before or that she's not from the island. The way that they were barely looking at that yeah. picture, like, really annoyed me. Yeah. Because it's like, at least pretend. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I don't. Like, they're like, nah, I've never seen her. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, not even looking at it. And they all kind of have, like, a. it looks like they're trying to, like, stifle a smirk. Right. They're, they want to giggle. Like, yeah, you can yeah. see. So, again, I like this a lot because once you've seen the film... You know why. Yeah, yeah. But at this point, you're like, what the fuck is yeah. wrong with these already, guys? It just feels weird and off. Like, if I were him, I would be extremely uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And mad. And mad. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Right? Like, it's a missing kid. But Old Fisherman says that he can find Morrison's in Lewis or Mull, but not on Summer Isle. I don't know how they've separated surnames yeah. like that. <laughs> oh, but, we, they're not yeah, allowed yeah, here. Oh, no, we're not <laughs> But Howie then begins to read the letter. It says that nobody has seen Rowan, who is only 12 years old, since sometime last year. But when Howie reads that Rowan is the daughter of a woman named May, suddenly everyone has heard of May Morrison. The harbor master even says that she keeps the post office in High Street. We don't have any Morrisons here. Oh, oh May Morrison? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, y'all are fucking liars, like no, from the oh, rip. Yeah. Clearly. And the thing that pisses me off is that you're supposed to be this like good detective. He, not even two seconds ago, <laughs> yeah. said, oh, Lewis and Mull has all the Morrisons. <laughs> yeah. Every Morrison that ever was. <laughs> Keith Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Morrison. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then just feel like, oh, no, May Morrison, we go. I went to high yeah. school. <laughs> just right over there. Yeah, oh, hey. It's like, what? 
what? And he never is like, but you just said. But also, we really just gloss over the fact that he said she's been missing since last year. That is a big deal. Like, that's very huge. And Mm -hmm. I feel like nobody, like, it's mentioned that one time and nobody talks about it again. Have y'all never seen the first 48? Or like, no, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> the first 48 <laughs> is crucial. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they did mail the letter. Maybe it took a little bit to get to it. It took That's a year. True. Yeah. It took, <laughs> it took three songs. Yeah. <laughs> but after Howie confirms that she runs the post office, he thanks them for their help and turns to leave. But as he does, all the men tell Howie that while they know May, Rowan is not May's daughter. When he asks who she is then, they dummy up, and as soon as he walks away, they smirk, looking mischievous as all hell. You've been an enormous help. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for nothing. It's so funny to me because he interviews them, and they're all old men. Yeah, yeah. But it's like he walked to like a basketball court and interviewed like 12-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, I haven't seen her. Yeah. (laughs) Have you seen her? It's like, dude... (laughs) little decorum or something son of a bitch but as howie walks by the sea seagulls flutter around overhead and we get a more sensual verse of corn rigs (laughs) (laughs) one might even deem it pornographic yeah (laughs) he's like and then i laid annie down i was like oh my god (laughs) it's corn rigs after dark it's the (laughs) b-side I got to admit, I think that the first song that was played, I was like, oh, all right, set in the mood. But when Corn Rig started, I was like, what yeah. is this? <laughs> but once again, various townsfolk peer out of their windows at Howie, some even opening their doors just to watch him as he passes by. I did hear that the majority of these townsfolk were just locals. Oh, all right. I love that. Which is like really cool yeah. to me. But it was at this moment where everybody, you kind of realize how outnumbered he is and you wonder why he didn't bring backup. Yeah, or some kind of firearm or a billy club or something. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. He has no... He did mention that. John Paul mentioned that this morning. Why does he have nothing? I, yeah. <laughs> like, like at all. I don't know. Not a whistle, not a... Like no. nothing. I was very... Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think... I don't think that police in the UK carry guns. That's what right. I said. But I don't know when that began. But I mean, they've got to have a baton or something. Some You've got to have something to... to, to Defend yourself. Well, they're trained in MMA. I mean, um, I, I, I no, get that. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> even that. I mean, I know that they do have to go through some kind of training. Yeah, no, I, I, I was sh- joking. No, yeah. I really don't know. <laughs> but I'm just, my thing was that. How come he doesn't have anything to defend himself? I Nothing. Don't, I don't know. And I was I was hoping maybe in that deleted scene, like uh, one of his coworkers was like, or did they call them coworkers? I don't know. <laughs> a fellow officer? Uh, one of his yeah. fellow officers was like, do you want me to go with you? And he's like, no, it's just a... No, yeah, I've yeah. got it. Yeah, it's an and inquiry. That's my wow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's my Edward <laughs> You're turning Edward Woodward into the rural juror. <laughs> but Howie just continues walking, carrying his briefcase, and he eventually stops at the post office that doubles for a sweet shop as well. It 
Okay, I laughed out loud because dude had just gone on his whole spiel about there's no Morrison, there never was any Morrison. Yeah. Okay, well, there's May Morrison. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then when he gets there, her name is the biggest thing on the side. Yeah. <laughs> it says May Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. And like, then Tiny, it's like, sweet shop, post, post office. office. <laughs> it's like she's a local celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> well, shit, all that goodness she got oh, in there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it did, it did that look, is fair. Yeah. but uh, it just made me laugh because I'm like, that's her name is the biggest thing yeah. on that side. <laughs> But how he does eye an array of sweets, some appearing to be calaveras. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some rats, pigs, one's a naked woman. They got a variety here. There was mm-hmm. a lot. But Howie walks into the shop and is greeted by Mae Morrison, played by Irene Sunters. Howie comments that he likes the chocolate rabbits, but is promptly corrected. Those are hairs. Lovely March hairs. She's like, dumbass. Yeah. Are you going to buy some chocolate or what? Get the fuck out. <laughs> Since nobody's giving him any respect. And it is interesting because no one's allowed. Really? I mean, they've, they've kind of implied that you have to have special permission to be here. Yeah. So I feel like him walking in, she'd be like, uh, is everything like, who that's are you? Yeah. Yeah. She's just like, oh, no, that's a March hair or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm just so put off already like i'm very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. well there's a few inconsistencies with i guess the behavior of people towards howie oh yeah Yeah. and i wonder if it's again something that makes sense later right right you know what i mean but that was one i was like shouldn't you be like who the fuck yeah because i mean they didn't know he was coming no like they were hesitant to even help him get on the island because they didn't know he was coming nobody left like there's no time for word to spread that there's this copper here and but like Yeah, yeah yeah she I and knowing at the post office, you know everybody. Yeah. yeah. I just that really stuck out to me. But he introduces himself and she says that she saw him come to town on a seaplane, wondering if he came all that way just for her. He tells her that he actually came about her daughter who is missing. She's like, My daughter <laughs> Which is interesting because the guys just told him that she wasn't her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So he's already not believing what he's been told, which is honestly well, good police work. Yeah. Yes. Because those men were clearly on some bullshit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> As the police say, they were on some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a term that's in the handbook. <laughs> but he shows her the picture and she just laughs it off, saying that the girl in the picture is not her daughter. She then invites him behind the counter, taking him to the back room and introducing him to Myrtle Morrison, her nine-year-old daughter played by Jennifer Martin. As Myrtle paints a picture of a hair, possibly chocolate, May invites her to say hello. She does so politely and then shows her mother the drawing. But as May heads out to tend to a customer, Howie makes his way over to talk to Myrtle. He takes a look at her drawing and she tells him that if he wants, he can fill in the hair's ears in gray. She hands him a paintbrush, wet side first. I'm like, have you never handed anyone <laughs> yeah. a paintbrush before? Oh, fuck. I'm so, well, she's never had help painting. It's she's like, like, hurry uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> Wipe his hand on her dress. Oh, thank yeah. you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's how we do this on this island, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but she apologizes and hands him a towel. As he paints with her, Howie cuts straight to the point, asking if she knows Rowan. Myrtle says, of course I do, silly. And then says that she's in the fields. She runs and plays there all day. Howie's like, really? Do you think she'll be back for tea? Myrtle just scoffs and tells him that hares don't drink tea. Howie's like, Rowan's a hare? <laughs> like, what the <laughs> yeah, fuck uh, is going yeah. on? <laughs> it's very elusive and confusing. And this uh, child does not have a guardian present, so none of this is going to hold yeah. him in court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you shouldn't really be interviewing uh, a child. But... uh. 
very strange. And the fact that the only straight answer you've gotten is from this child yeah. who's yeah. saying that the missing girl is an animal. Like it's all, it's very confusing. Yeah. Do you want to know how stupid I am? I guess as a human being or yeah. maybe just as an, <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably already know, but maybe just as an American, but anytime I see a child in a British accent, and it, and every, yeah. <laughs> see, I've already, I've, I've already started wrong. Every, every, time, every time I see a child wearing yeah, a British accent, it's very you know. Anytime I see a child who has a British accent, my first thought oh, every single time is, "Wow, that child does a very convincing British accent." <laughs> you not, know that there are yeah, British children. Not right? that the child is British. Yeah. And then my second thought is, "You're fucking stupid." <laughs> And I had that thought watching this movie. I'm like, you're 31 years old. <laughs> Why do you keep doing this? There are children in the UK. Yes, yeah. and I know that now. <laughs> now. <laughs> but just as Myrtle says that Rowan is a hare, May returns asking Howie if he'll stay for a cuppa. Howie says that he will, and May says that it must be thirsty work asking all those questions. <laughs> that was a little hostile. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just sensitive at this point, but but, it, but that, does that mean you gave me permission to question your daughter because I, you know I'm asking her questions? I guess it just was giving uh shut your fucking mouth. Like, no, that's yeah. how I took it. It took you remember Captain Spaulding when he was like, "Why are you asking all these jackassy questions?" Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the tone it had, but yeah, like, veiled, but nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he gets a cup of tea out of it. Yeah, so. it's like Throw a it nasty in face. Nice. <laughs> ah, get out of here, you fucker! <laughs> it's like where's Rowan? Yeah. but in a transition we see a sign for the green man in with what appears to be a plant monster on it yeah (laughs) that's the green man very cool yeah i like that that's badass yeah as a whole (laughs) (laughs) i do want to say just a sidebar and this might be one of the first i have a reputation so it's probably not the first but i'm saying that because things have been exaggerated over the all right but the green man in is referenced in the rob zombie song the ballad of resurrection joe and rosa whore which is a very catchy song <laughs> so there's a positive uh somewhere in it does he go yeah, yeah. i'm <laughs> i'm certain <laughs> but we see how he walk in making his way through a crowd of people when he enters we hear sounds of chatter and an accordion because there's a whole band that's in the hotel yeah right. but the second he walks by everything goes silent that shit is horrifying. Yeah. It's just, again, this sense of being an outsider and kind of everybody being in on the joke, but you. Like, yeah. that's yeah. what it, it, it's very unnerving and uncomfortable to even just watch. Yes. I feel like it was the same energy in Get Out where uh-huh. it's like, I don't, I'm not welcome here. Right. Everybody else has this inside knowledge of something and I'm just out here yeah Yeah. yeah. you know and jordan peele is an incredible student of horror yeah so that moment might be a little homage i could totally see that yeah but howie sees a few of the people that he chatted with earlier and he gives them a little nod but then he introduces himself to alder mcgregor the landlord played by lindsey kemp seeing as he won't be able to make it back to the mainland tonight howie asks for a room to stay and a bite to eat Alder kind of creepily says, I believe that can be arranged. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I don't want to eat anything. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any other inns in the, on the island? 
But Alder says that his daughter Willow will show Howie to his room and he calls it to the counter. Willow, played by Britt Eklund, steps in and looks Howie up and down as her father tells her of Howie's current circumstances. It's very like a sensual up and down look. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Uh, I only knew Britt Eklund. I was excited to see her here because they talked about her uncoupling. But very uh, good. <laughs> I didn't. I knew very little about her. I knew that she was a model and an actress. Uh huh. But she was. Uh, this is according to Wikipedia. Due to her relationships with Peter Sellers and Rod Stewart, they said that she was one of the most photographed celebrities of the 1970s. Oh wow! Oh, shit. So she had like. It was a big kind of a get for her to be in this film, especially considering the budget of the film. Uh The interesting thing about it, though, is that she is actually Swedish, born in Stockholm. So her voice is dubbed in the film. You can tell. Yeah, Yeah, you can tell. (laughs) (laughs) This makes no sense to me, but it was dubbed by a woman named Annie Ross, who is a Grammy winning jazz singer. But her singing voice... Was dubbed by a woman called Rachel Verney. It's like somebody All else. Right? Yeah. It's like, but you got a jazz singer. Yeah, like, no <laughs> shit. Well, they're like, she can't be showing out like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be believable. Yeah, she lives on an island. Like, <laughs> she'd be a famous. <laughs> but yeah, the dubbing was a little off at some point. Yeah. It was, uh, I was like, am I watching Suspiria again? Yeah. <laughs> and which was why I loved it. Uh, but here's the weird thing that I don't understand is that, of course, she is clearly being dubbed, right? Absolutely. In later interviews, she would even complain about the dubbing because she said that she had tried to do a Scottish accent and they just didn't like it. But other people that did the dubbing said that they only dubbed one song for her. Yeah. And then Robin Hardy was like, well, maybe that was her real voice. It's not. I'm like, what? There's a lot of (laughs) weird stuff that I read or like a lot of like discrepancies regarding Britt Eklund. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, And her nudity on the film. Right. Well, yeah, because I have some stuff that we'll get to later. That that some people are saying this. Some people are saying that she's saying something completely. It's just I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it. But I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, because the only thing I know that's true is one thing and everything else is like I have no. Yeah, it depends on who (laughs) you're asking. Yeah. But anyway, Willow snags a key as we hear a wolf whistle from a bar patron. The harbor master begins to sing a song called The Landlord's Daughter. (laughs) Musicians and patrons join in as Willow just smiles and sways. Oak, a bearded man played by Ian Campbell, sings a few lines as well as the song tells Howie about the landlord's daughter and that he'll never love another, though she's not one you'd take home to mother. Uh, thanks. Um, so <laughs> I was like, do y'all just do this or is this for me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Because it's well rehearsed. Yes. Yeah. And this is another thing that I'm like, okay, so if this is a musical, this is just exposition. You're just yeah. introducing. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. But if it's not, how many months have you been practicing <laughs> like what the fuck is going they're on like someone's gonna come yeah. and we're gonna fucking be ready we're gonna have to introduce her yeah <laughs> but a man who has a passing resemblance to pedro pascal <laughs> he sings of willow's ale saying that it's strong to the taste 
And then the song takes a very sexual turn with an old man at the bar basically saying the mere sound of her name will give you a boner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like this is a common theme with the songs in this movie. Yeah. Where, where you're just like, like, okay, yeah, for uh, a second. And then it's like, well, hold, hold the on. fuck yeah. on. Well, now we're talking about boners and now we're fucking in the corn yeah. ring. Well. In the corn ring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. I was laughing my ass off because the, the line of the song is enough. Yeah. But then they... They do a low angle <laughs> and a man like stretches his arm like a trembling chubby yeah. and it's well, like not chubby it's like we got it dude <laughs> it's just like stop making these sound so innocent and fun and yeah. then pull the rug out from under me like just be nasty from jump yeah. this feels like a sea shanty almost <laughs> right and then they're like and you're fucking a yeah. <laughs> it's like oh my god you couldn't see my arm trembling but that was <laughs> it's implied that was a lot <laughs> But everyone laughs, including Willow, as they drive the point home that nothing is more delightful than the part that lies between her left toe and her right toe. What uh, really did it for me was the fact that we saw a man flexing his yeah. feet. <laughs> yeah. He's, He's like, like, I'm talking. Yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> like, if you didn't get like, it. That's too much. Y'all are doing entirely yeah. too much. Yes. And Howie does not look pleased. But Oak begins to dance suggestively behind Willow. I was like, is this how they twerked back then? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. He's like, I do. I, I generate most of the power. <laughs> so. <laughs> but Howie steps behind the bar and he's like, I'd like my supper now, please. <laughs> and Alder tells him it'll be ready soon. But the music continues. Alder tells him not to let them worry him and just to have a drink. He's like, they're almost done objectifying my daughter. Like, yeah, just, no yeah. shit. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I'm so confused that Alder in this scene, but Howie's not down for it at all. And he smacks an ashtray on the bar until the music stops. I know everybody was having fun, but thank you. Like, you <laughs> needed to stop what was going on. It was I, like this. <laughs> this is on the verge of madness. Yes, it's like some stops. Like, well, <laughs> in all honesty, I was afraid of what the next verse would bring. <laughs> it's like we're just getting worse. Yeah, folks, fucking twerking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Sh- <laughs> it's this is getting to be. <laughs> it's getting to be a lot. So thank you, Howie. Yeah. <laughs> But with the bar silent again, Howie really brings down the mood of the party, reminding everyone that he's here to look for a missing child. He shows the picture around, telling them her name, and as Alder passes the photo around, a peaceful guitar starts to play, and the camera glides over a wall of photos. We see in each photo, a woman stands at the center, surrounded by baskets and crates overflowing with fruits and vegetables. A sculpted sun rests at their feet with each photo marked Summer Isle, 1969, 1970, 1971, and an empty hook where 1972 should go. The wall is filled with photos of previous years as well on the other side. So Midsummer borrowed a lot from this. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. This was one of the big ones because of the wall of photos that they see at the place they stay. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was like immediately... I'm sure that missing photo won't come oh, back. Yeah. They're like, oh, we just haven't done that yet. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't gotten back from the framing service. <laughs> but Alder returns the photo of Rowan to Howie with zero luck, but Howie draws his attention to the Harvest Festival photos. 
Alder says that they take them at the end of summer every year, but when asked where the 1972 photograph is, Alder quickly says that it's broken, but that Howie's supper is ready. Willow takes him to the dining room, and we cut to a shot of his plate, which appears to be under-seasoned chicken, boiled potatoes, and some kind of veg. He moves it around with his fork and knife, saying that it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> yeah. She's like, damn. damn. Yeah. It's from a can. Yes, yeah. it does. It's raw. <laughs> Willow asks him if anything is wrong, and he tells her that all the food has come from a can, like JP just said. He says that the fava beans on his plate are a shade of turquoise and that that color isn't common in its natural state. Willow replies that some things in their natural state have the most vivid colors. Willow. Oh, my God. I- <laughs> Is this about between your toes? Yeah. Because I've heard things. Yeah, I've heard some things. I've heard some things. <laughs> um, I feel, I don't, I get it. You know, whatever. The food's not good. Yeah. You're here already pissing people off. Like, let's yeah. be honest. Uh-huh. You're not. You're clearly not welcome here. I don't think I would be talking shit. Dude, no. About the food that was served <laughs> to me. And honestly, all for what he knows right now, I'll be staying here one night and then I'm yeah, going back. Just suck it up. Yeah. Eat just, your turquoise beans. Yeah. <laughs> and take your ass to bed. But after her thinly veiled flirtation, Howie doesn't bite. But Willow suggestively asks what he'll be wanting for dessert. He asks for an apple, but she says that they don't have any, which is peculiar on an island famous for their fruits and vegetables. Just, I mean, again, not everything needs a reaction. Yeah. No. Like you could be like, I'd like an apple. We don't have any. Oh, well, what do you have? He's like, what? no yeah. apples. Like He's like so fucking shook. I don't know that if, if he's just in detective mode. Right. So he's like, no apples. There's got to be a reason. Why don't you have apples? Yeah. I get that. But like, keep that inside or yeah. jot it down in your little notebook. Yeah, maybe not you don't let need them to, know. Yeah. I'm suspicious. Like, you don't need to do it's that. It's very clear. <laughs> But she says the apples have probably all been exported, but then suggests the peaches and cream. And I was like, this movie's really, yeah. <laughs> really horny. It's like, like that 112 song? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she somehow knows about it. I don't know. <laughs> but even though he assumes the peaches and cream are from a can, he accepts them anyway. But before heading back into the kitchen, Willow tells him to cheer up. Food isn't everything in life. Willow? Yeah. <laughs> Ma'am. And it's funny because the second I saw her look him up and down, I was like, this is obviously going places. Right. She's a very beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In my mind, you know, she's going to come to him in the middle of the night and be like, look, this is what's going on. You got to get me out of here. Blah, blah, blah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, she is beautiful. Uh She's clearly being objectified by all these men, including her fucking father, who's just like, "Uh uh-huh, I made that. (laughs) It's very weird. So I'm like, okay, there's a connection here. She's, you know, shooting her shot. He's not really responding. Something's going to happen where she gets him behind the scenes. Yeah. But uh, Hmm. no spoilers, but I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she's not wrong. But you Uh, know what I mean? Uh, I was just like, he was like, nah. Mm." You know, I was like, damn, dude. He's got his mind on his business. (laughs) And I I was thinking the same thing because I was like, she is very forward with him. Right. Yes. Everybody. It's And it's funny because everybody is like probably like very pissed off. Like, why is she fucking talking to him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it felt like is like she's trying to get him alone to talk to him. Like, that's what it felt like. Oh, I didn't. But, or I mean, just to try, yeah. <laughs> or at, maybe talk after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Over a cigarette. <laughs> but later, 
Howie heads outside of the Green Man Inn and in the dark stumbles upon a massive group of people in various states of undress having sex on the ground in slow motion. Nice group activity. <laughs> it, well, I mean, it all seemed very right. consensual. Yeah. Are you a community or not? Howie. Yeah, well. <laughs> Howie was shook. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, sir, if you didn't want to see fucking, you shouldn't have come to the fucking field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's clearly a sign that's right there. On the itinerary. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't have came. Every night we sing that song. Yeah. <laughs> it gets us we all get horned nice up. And yeah. horned you up. heard the drums. You shouldn't have came <laughs> over here. Yeah. <laughs> But Howie continues on to the graveyard where a naked woman played by Lorraine Peters sobs at a grave cradling it. So this is what I was kind of saying earlier. Like everyone that was in the fucking field, they, <laughs> yeah, maybe their their shirt was open or whatever, but they all had clothes on. They did. And the rest of the people that are undressed in this movie are not doing anything sexual. They, You know what I mean? Maybe True. there's a song or whatever going on, but they're not doing anything. They're just there that's mm-hmm. interesting but the people who were having sex in are, the fucking field yeah in the fucking field <laughs> it's a designated yeah designated area <laughs> <laughs> and i mean it's interesting to point that out because it's almost like well i mean i guess it fits with what we learn later about nature yeah like nudity is not it d- yeah. explicitly sexual yeah yeah, yeah. But having seen enough, Howie heads back into the Green Man Inn, shoving a patron out of the way and angrily snatching his room key from Alder and heading upstairs. He's so offended. He <laughs> yeah. is. He's very, very upset. But we see him write in a journal in his room before praying at his bedside, and we get a voiceover of him reciting a passage from the Bible before actually seeing him take communion in a flashback. This made me laugh because he's upstairs <laughs> literally writing and praying and they're down in the bar like, I get knocked down. Yeah. And I get knocked down. <laughs> they're out here pissing <laughs> the night away. <laughs> That's good <laughs> chumbawamba. Yeah. The, the dichotomy of it. Oh, yeah. Very, <laughs> very funny to me. That's fucking perfect. <laughs> <laughs> But we see him in flashbacks reading the what I learned is the Lord's Supper. I guess it's from Corinthians Mm -hmm. to his congregation. But his memory is interrupted by the cheers and shouts downstairs. (laughs) (laughs) And and Chumbawamba, apparently. (laughs) He takes a whiskey drink. He's like, shut up. He's like, longer drink. Yes, I know. (laughs) You've already sang this part. These songs remind you of the best times. I know. (laughs) But there's a knock on the door. And it's Willow, who we hear and see, take the room next door. But the musicians downstairs begin to play as Willow, who lies naked in bed, hits her hand against the wall in percussive time and begins to sing Willow's song. Now, musically, this song is quite nice. It is. And she's get, I mean, no, she she's, really, she's, <laughs> she leaves her heart. Yeah, like, all yeah, in. <laughs> but Howie angrily gets into bed, trying to ignore her as Willow in song invites him to be with her recounting all the things that she'll give to him. She moves around her room as Howie slowly makes his way out of bed, opening his door. She promises him the midday sun at midnight as she shakes her ass something fierce. <laughs> I was like, this bitch, bitch is feeling <laughs> it. Like, <for> <laughs> I was like, God damn. <laughs> See, so... Uh, <laughs> 
I at this point I was like, this is you're just letting your friends show that they have music talent. This isn't even <laughs> it's like this wasn't even a real movie. It was just like you guys get in many songs as you can and you're like, you like, guys know you're really good, yeah. right? <laughs> it's like we're gonna get a fucking deal with this movie. Hell yeah. It's like we're making a movie, Dave. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Yeah. We can do sing, both. Sing yeah. <laughs> but it's very this is what you were talking about, the ass shaking. Yes. This is a body double, so that makes four people who played this one character yeah. in this film, but the body double is actually Lorraine Peters, who we saw in the cemetery cradling oh, that grave. Yeah. Interesting. But there was like such a dispute about this because Britt Eklund was mad that they used a body double right. yeah. because there were three reasons I heard that she didn't want to be filmed from the waist down. Uh-huh. One, they said it was because she was pregnant with her son. Okay. She says that that's not true because she didn't know she was pregnant at the time of filming. And the other was because simply she did not want to be filmed from the waist down. Right. But after she left filming her scenes that day, they brought in Lorraine Peters because I don't know if they were like, they're like needs more ass. Yeah. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> like It's gotta be sexy. Otherwise yeah. I'm not eating. <laughs> but so they brought her in and they did it. And it was always a point of contention with Britt Eklund. Right. That this was done. And it's funny because you see the clear cuts between Brit oh, and Oh, no, yeah. yeah. I mean, it added a little something. I'm it not going to lie. But I, from what I read, she gets upset because people assume that it was her. Right. And that when she was mad that they did that, he was like, well, you didn't. What I read was that she didn't like how her butt looked. And her, okay, first of all, it's ridiculous because she said that the butt was too big. Oh, what? I mean, disagree. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But okay. Yeah. Strongly disagree. This was 1973. Yeah. It is. And we've all, we've apparently are on two <laughs> different wavelengths, yeah. Brett Eklund. <laughs> but uh, that was her major complaint. What I had read was when she got upset about it, they were like, well, you said you didn't like how yours looked. So yeah. we got somebody else. I think she said that she wishes that she would have just done it. Well, She's like, my ass is yeah. <laughs> I got a flat ass. It's like, okay. Such yeah. a weird, weird flex. Like, but okay. yeah. <laughs> Good old fashioned pancake butt. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, you haven't heard that term Mix-a-Lot song? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. It's on my iPod yeah. shuffle. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this was a, a major like thing. Yeah. Which I mean, I can kind of understand because you know what you're doing. If I'm playing this character and then after I leave, you get somebody else to do that. Yeah. People are naturally going to think it's me. Of course. And people like, don't. I, I, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. People aren't watching the film like a hawk like we are. Right. For a podcast. And so they're like, wow, Britt Eklund's really. Well, she got a donk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Howie closes his door, not giving into temptation. But the lyrics lose a bit of their poetry as she says that she'll comb him smooth and stroke his head as she rubs a statue suggestively then throws out an imaginary something out the window which i can only assume to be <laughs> i'm not gonna you know. say that. <laughs> <laughs> but she taps the wall and smacks her naked body as howie is fucking sweating he is struggling <laughs> this dude is struggling yeah I was very, I was like, what the fuck is happening? I was like, what's going on? He, He's like, I'm going to fucking do yeah. it. Like, like, no, no, no. Like, hold on. He wants to caress more than that wall. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, he just rushes back to bed, hoping to sleep his horniness away. Now, according to lyrics I found online, the song 
the song ends with a lot of humming and like it's a very nice ending to the song well it was like also she was doing like stomp after dark no, like, yeah <laughs> she was all banging trash can yeah. yeah i mean <laughs> it was it was great work but the song ends actually with the lyric how a maid can milk a bull and every stroke a bucket full now i mean my oh god, my god. <laughs> that's I, <laughs> that's quite a bit well, <laughs> too much some might say like, yeah. she had to throw it out the window yeah, she's like, I'll See, <laughs> she's like this is a lot i i the whole drumline thing where she's banging Drum- on shit uh-huh. and i it lost me i was like please stop i was like what's happening i had no issues it, with this <laughs> I'm if you're gonna you're dance, like come on. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> it felt almost like ritualistic. Like she's done fair. this before. That's right. what it felt like. Very fair. She's like, now I get a good sound out of this wall. Yeah, it was <laughs> out, out of this, this side. Cheek. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, and it's interesting because of all the cuts that were made. Right. This was originally supposed to take place on the second night that he stays in Summer Isle. And so everybody was kind of annoyed because they're like, she is getting naked way too fast to make sense in this film. That's what the producers were saying with the cuts. Yeah. But I feel like it streamlines the whole thing. Yeah. It, it does. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. I have no problem with this being the first night. I feel like, and I I was going to say it's more, it is more subtle than what goes on. I know she's ass naked and singing yeah. and banging on shit, but things ramp up. Yeah. yeah. And, and he so doesn't, I feel... He doesn't know that she's naked. Yeah. We he do. doesn't. Well, he's hoping. Not, <laughs> <laughs> but it's his imagination. Not only that, didn't we just have the fucking field before this? Oh, we did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I feel like if we did this the second night, it would be, it's like, well, of course she's doing that. Yeah. It, right now, it's shocking. Yeah, it's like, yeah. What the, and again, my man was struggling yeah, he was. to stay in his bed, God, to stay in his room. His fucking sweating face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But the next morning, a crowd of people applaud as a maypole is decorated outside. Inside his room, Howie is woken up by Willow, who brings him tea, calling him Sergeant Sleuth, which is interesting because the movie Schaefer made before was called Sleuth. Right. Uh, I don't know if he was trying to just, you know, I'm maybe yeah. probably. <laughs> <laughs> but finding that it's past nine, Howie rises out of bed, clutching his shirt to cover his nips. <laughs> I, I could have said that nicer yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but willow opens the drapes telling him that she invited him to see her last night and thought he was going to come i was a little surprised that we're talking about this yeah. me too because I thought, I thought the next morning everybody was gonna act like like nothing happened yeah but not only does she invite herself into yeah. into his room yeah she's like uh so right you didn't come over yeah. or what like it was i was surprised and again i have to say if this is a film that's very strange that she did that. If this is a musical, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I invited you over. He's like, no, you sang a yeah. whole song. <laughs> yeah. You were smacking your ass. Yeah, you said you were going to milk me. You're what yeah. the fuck? I was, I was worried. <laughs> but Howie says that he's engaged to be married and that it's nothing personal. He just doesn't believe in it before marriage. Now, he doesn't say sex 
which could be down to like him being all puritanical. Right, right. But him not saying sex makes it like, no, after I'm married, I'm going to cheat a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I will be back. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, he's engaged. Yeah. yeah. I was, was like, I guess that's why he was fucking fighting for his life yeah. last yeah. night. He's like, like, think of Marilyn. Yeah. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> or whatever. I There is someone credited as Howie's girlfriend or Howie's fiance or whatever. We never see her in the film. Yeah. It oh, so been, probably cut. Yeah. Like cut scene. But she tells him to suit himself and says she assumes he'll be going back to the mainland today because with the way he feels, he won't want to be around on May Day. She's like, things get even sexier yeah. on May Day. <laughs> But we cut to Howie walking outside as a musician starts working a mouth harp. A whole band joins in as the schoolmaster, played by Walter Carr, begins singing the Maypole song with his students around the Maypole. All the students are boys, which comes into play later because of what we see. But the song takes you through the whole life cycle of humans and nature. And to be honest, they are fucking working it. I was like, these motherfuckers are spitting. I, this, I, okay, so I told you I rewatched this movie. Yeah. I, I was replying to a message on my phone, and the second the song starts, I put my phone down <laughs> because I'm literally, I'm like, in the summer house, summer house, summer house. <laughs> like fucking just breaking it down. It's, I think the thing that makes me laugh is that it does take a turn because it starts very innocently. Right. That's, that, again, but that's then, the theme with these yeah. songs. The fucking school teacher goes, and on that bed, there was a girl. I'm like, okay, yeah, she's yeah. sleeping or whatever. <laughs> and on that girl, there was a man. I'm like, hold on. How he's like, they better be married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> seriously. You better it sing just, about a ring real soon. Right? <laughs> and the kids are just fucking vibing to it. Yeah. And like pelvic thrusting in right. the background at yeah. one point. It's just very... It seems like a cute little, you know, life cycle of a tree. Like mm. we all return to the earth. But yeah, then, yeah. you know... Uh, in the middle of it they're There's, fucking yeah. and their seed and the, i mean it's just it's <laughs> yeah. a lot i feel like if i went to my kids school and they were performing this on a stage i'd probably have some feelings about it <laughs> i mean i don't know it's just you'd be, be like skinner this act is over <laughs> <laughs> i it takes it from copulation to birth to adulthood to death to life sprouting from the grave in the form of a tree and again it doesn't get better than the high-pitched crooner singing Summer Isle Summer, Wood. Summer, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and again, the messaging, I think, is very good. Yes. But you don't need to be talking about seed and, and no. a man being on a woman. And, and I think it's funny because the school teacher has, like, hand motions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's doing the Naruto fucking hand signals. He looks funny. My, my problem with this... <laughs> he looks funny. Yeah. <laughs> this went on entirely too long. Oh, no, they reversed this. Yeah, <laughs> and... <laughs> I think it went too hard for me trying to like this broke me taking this movie serious. Okay. And I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Uh, the, I won't lie. Yeah. They were going and I was like, okay, they're filling this shit. Yeah. But when it kept going, I was like, God damn. I, I will say that I know that I guess the film watcher in me that's like about pacing yeah. is like, this is going on too long. But then there's the other side of me. That is like, just singing along. And on that bed. But it put me honestly in the mind of the birds. Yes. But no. I'm like, I like this song better. Yeah. I, I would actually listen to this. No, like, no, no. Uh, yeah. I would drive and be like, in a summer house, summer house, summer house. <laughs> 
I was feeling the corn song earlier. <laughs> All right, yeah. Hey, nobody's talking no. shit uh, on the corn rig song. Corn okay? rigs is great. <laughs> we all agree. But Howie just watches as they continue killing it. And in a really neat shot, we see the shadow of the maypole seemingly growing out of the shadow of the body of the schoolmaster. So it's like the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is. It's it's visually very cool it did make me laugh though because i'm like at this point he's not even questioning people anymore he's just staring at people judgmentally yeah. <laughs> like he's just like i mean just yeah. scowling at these yeah. kids working their asses off oh, like they've yeah. been practicing clearly for a year yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how he peers into a classroom full of girls led by miss rose played by diane salento now I read that Diane Salento was semi-retired at the time, Mm -hmm. but the writer Schaefer saw her in a play and convinced her to join the cast. She was actually in the process of divorcing Sean Connery. Oh, shit. What the fuck? Yeah. And, which I know that we all appreciate here, after meeting Schaefer on this production, they would later marry. Oh, I love it. And they stayed together until he passed away in 2001. I love when oh, that nice. happens. Not when he passed no, away. No, but it's very yeah, sweet. I love yeah. that. But the girls are tapping their pencils. <laughs> They're going hard in there too. <laughs> They're the percussion to this yeah. song. Because the song is still going on. Yeah. <laughs> no, the song is very long. <laughs> yeah. But eventually Miss Rose is like, all right, all right. <laughs> we all are enjoying the shit out of this, but we are in school for a reason. It's time to learn. Well, even the teacher was banging his Yeah, head. she was on beat. It was like she was the conductor. <laughs> but she asks a girl, Daisy, played by Leslie Mackey, to explain the significance of the Maypole. Howie makes his way into the classroom, and after Daisy is too shy to answer, the entire class answers in unison. The phallic symbol. I was like, uh. Yeah. yeah. I was surprised. I was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> like, man, oh, well, that looks like a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Miss Rose says that they're correct. The maypole represents the penis, which is very respected in their religion as it is seen as the generative force of nature. Howie makes his presence known asking for a word with miss rose in the hall <laughs> He's like, hold on hold on yeah were you just talking about dicks with those kids it's like no no i need to speak to you yeah. outside <laughs> he basically tells her that after seeing bar fights public indecency and now corruption of the young he's going to report it to the proper authorities now the bar fight is something that was cut yeah, it was like they were they were yeah. all having a great time. Yeah. Yeah, I never <laughs> saw apparently it's on the cutting room floor, but oak I, I guess whooped someone's ass. What? Why Chumba Wumble was going yeah. on? <laughs> How could you? Yeah. But he says that all of this stems from the filth that's being taught in this classroom. It's like okay, I'm not gonna lie, he's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say from when he first gets to the island because I really did sympathize with him at that point. But I feel like from the bar on, he's just kind of like, man, like the yeah, whole time. Yeah, not is. that I agree with everything that they're saying to these kids <laughs> or doing, but it's like, do your job, either investigate this girl or you've already come up with enough to go back and bring more people. Uh-huh. Um, He's just a dick yeah here. like i mean here starting here in the classroom i'm like oh i just can't like i just don't like you at no, all it oddly switches for me because he came like i said with a noble pursuit but now and i think this is the point is even here like she literally says that it's their religion 
that, exactly mm-hmm. obviously there the permission has been given she hasn't said like we don't know there's nothing really nefarious that we can point to at the moment right just weird literally all she said was the word penis and he's like heavens to betsy yeah. <laughs> like nothing out of really this couldn't be taught in a sex ed class yeah that, and that's i think me and your sister had kind of talked about it the other day and i was like i don't see anything wrong with what she's saying i mean she's it's not like she's like, you see this fucking throbbing cock? Yeah, it's like, oh my, like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> throbbing cock? Yeah. <laughs> I need to speak to you yeah. outside. Like, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> but it, she, it, she said penis yes. or whatever. You know what I mean? She, it's and phallic. Not, yeah. I mean, they are yeah. using biological right, terms. Right. Yeah. So it's like you just, you don't agree. And we already saw like your little montage of you, you know, yeah. body of Christ or whatever. Uh-huh. They don't believe what you believe. Right, right. And so you're mad about that when really this all should be about this missing girl. Right. But I feel like this is where he kind of starts to lose. I don't know if motivation's the right word because I, or switch motivation. Right, right. To kind of shake these people up to mm-hmm. get to what's going on. Because after a certain point, it doesn't even necessarily fully feel like it's about Rowan Morrison. No. It's like, I don't believe what these people believe. They're disgusting. They're against God. And I'm going to bring the whole thing down. Like, that's what it feels like. It's like he wants to fix the island. Yeah. Exactly. And And that's not what you're here for. I mean, that's never never a good thing. No. Whenever people try to do that, it does not end up good. And interestingly, this will follow. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And this is no exception. No. But Miss Rose isn't backing down from his threats. And she's like, oh, I didn't realize that the curriculum was controlled by the police. He says that they'll see about that and then asks for the attention of the class. But it's like, it's, it's, it's not. not. Yeah. <laughs> but he introduces himself and then passes around the photo of Rowan Morrison, writing her name on the blackboard after erasing part of Mrs. Rose's lesson yes! to do so. That's when I was like, I was hanging on by a thread. And when he did that, I'm like, oh, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah, he's like, because he don't need this shit. Rowan <laughs> just said the girl's name. He's like, yeah. and I'm going to write her name. It's yeah. like, no, they don't. don't need to. I See, I didn't. I'm still, I, I just feel like he's getting, things are getting muddy for him. Okay. His judgment's getting clouded. I, I still, I understand he's there to find this girl, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's just, He's getting clouded by his own judgment of, oh, this is wrong because they don't believe what he believes. But he hasn't crossed the line for you yet. I mean, they, I, he does at some point, and, but I mean, I understand, you know what I mean, that you're here for a job. Yes. You don't need to be here to tell these people how to live. Exactly. Find the, find the little girl and then go on about your business. You yeah. don't need to do all this other shit. So I, I, I don't want to be... I, I, me and your sister kind of talked this morning too and I was like, I don't see him as the villain. You know what I mean? I, I do understand where he's coming off as an asshole uh-huh. and it is wrong him trying to like force his beliefs on them and like you guys are wrong yeah, yeah but i mean he is there he's there for the right reason but he's doing the wrong things while he's there i think his thing if for me like if he just stuck to the rowan stuff and he wasn't yeah. like i'll be reporting this no, that's yeah, the yeah. thing it's, it's like, like dude, first yeah. of all mind your own business yeah you don't have to believe what everybody else does but just don't be a dick no that's, yeah, i mean i, I, I feel like it. that's just like a a code of life yeah Yeah. like Like, not everybody's gonna believe the same thing but that doesn't mean that you should belittle other people for what they think or be like what the fuck like i mean this man is serious there's there's a moment (laughs) there's a moment that he hears something and he goes what yeah (laughs) and it's so like visceral plus i just really didn't appreciate that woman 
teachers it's an unsung profession oh, yeah. she yeah. took her time to write all that shit on the blackboard and he just fucking he, yeah. like that really rubbed me the wrong way no i that's what i'm saying i see where he's doing the wrong things but yeah. i do understand that he's there for in his head yes. for that girl yes. yes he's trying to do but he's going about it the wrong way it's all it's again the road to hell he's starting with very yeah. good intentions yeah but he's a dick yeah <laughs> <laughs> But none of the girls recognize Rowan, and Miss Rose tries to bring this whole thing to an end with the quickness. She says if Rowan existed, they would know of her. But Howie notices an empty desk at the center of the room, and he asks, whose desk is that? Miss Rose says it's no one's. But Howie collects his photo and opens up the desk, finding a beetle wrapped in string walking in circles around a nail. And this isn't like just beetle hell or whatever. Yeah. Like <laughs> this to me bears a striking resemblance to the maypole. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels very symbolic, but it's what this little girl says. Yeah. As the girls laugh, Daisy tells him that the beetle does the same thing, goes round and round like that until he ends up tight around the nail. That's a lot to take in. Yeah. yeah. I also think that this little girl probably needs some intervention because she's taking a uh, a lot of pleasure yeah. in this, <laughs> this beetle like being fucked this beetle up yeah. all day every day we don't even learn anything dude. Yeah. we just come here to terrorize this beetle we make beats yeah, and, yeah. We, <laughs> and we fuck this beetle up but I thought that this was almost foreshadowing if you think about it for sure and I really love how it's presented but she says poor old thing and the girls laugh more Howie's like, poor old thing, then what the hell are you doing this for? When he doesn't get an answer, Howie asks Miss Rose for the school register. She tells him that he'll have to have either a warrant or permission from Lord Summer Isle, but he just barges his way into her desk to retrieve it. Right there, in black and white, he finds Rowan Morris's name, as well as her address listed as the post office. This is what... because. Clearly, you're all hiding something. Yes. It was odd to me that the empty desk is in the middle of the room. Uh huh. If it were an extra desk, don't you think it would be in the back or yeah, like push yeah. it? That was weird. I'm like, okay, so clearly that's her desk. Uh huh. You check in the thing. I'm like, y'all didn't think to doctor the the registry. Like, yeah. It it was all really weird. And so for a split moment, I'm like, is Rowan the Beatle? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, we turned. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Like, literally, I'm like, what has happened here? Because y'all aren't even, like, you're really half-assed hiding it. Yeah, see, that's kind of, and I had that in my notes, that's what I was kind of like, so, see, that's what I'm saying, like, he's still here looking for the girl, Uh so at least I'm like, okay, at least you kind of are still on track, but she did try to hide it, and very, like, just put her hands on the corner (laughs) of the desk. (laughs) No, you Uh, can't. He's like, yes, I can. And he finds it. Uh, but I thought the same thing. I was like, man, this is kind of easy yeah. for you to find this evidence that's supposed to be gone or whatever. It's not even crossed yeah, out. No. It's not like it's just plain as day yeah. in the middle of the thing. And for this grand conspiracy, you guys are being real fucking clumsy. Yeah. Yes. And so I, I think that's what I love about the rewatch value of this film, because all this stuff makes perfect sense. The the second you finish After. it. Yeah. 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 But he calls all the girls despicable little liars, calling them on all their bullshit. And when Miss Rose interrupts him, he says, you're the biggest liar of all. (laughs) (laughs) That felt personal. And he threatens to charge her with obstruction if she lies again. He asks one more time, where is Rowan Morrison? 
Miss Rose puts the class on self-study and offers to talk to him outside. Once they're out there, she tells him that nobody was lying to him. She repeats what she said earlier. If Rowan Morrison existed, they would know of her. Howie takes us to mean that she's dead, and Miss Rose says that they don't use that word here. They believe that when a human life is over, they return to nature. Howie is in disbelief that they teach the children this instead of Christianity, but she tells them that they discuss Christianity comparatively, but children find it easier to believe in reincarnation over resurrection. She says rotting bodies are a roadblock for a childish imagination. I mean, like, kind of same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I yeah. 100% get that. But it just it just strikes me how disrespectful he is. No, because this isn't what you're here for. Like, yeah. this isn't part of the case. This part offends me personally. It's mm-hmm. just so fucking mean. It's just, like, condescending. Like, you don't think how I think you're wrong, and that's fucked up. Like, I mean, he's yeah. just so hostile about it. And this, yeah. is, this is when I lost, like, kind of all whatever for him. Because she says that line about rotting bodies right, right. being a roadblock. And he says, well, then where's Rowan's rotting body? Yeah, I was like, God damn. Yeah. It's like this. Wa- it, for all you know, this was a student that she loved. Yeah. And you're like, where's her fucking wormy corpse? <laughs> well, he's just you're like, he's fed yeah. up. Jesus, man. Not to defend him, but like she is speaking in riddles. Yeah. And so I can I can see him be like, just fucking where's the body? <laughs> like, just can we just cut to the well, chase? See, I t- I'm like, OK, she's. She's obviously telling you, look, we don't say dead. You Uh know, they go back to the earth, come back. Okay, so if you're translating that, okay, then you're saying she passed away. Yeah. She's been buried. You know, she's coming back as a tree or whatever. I Okay, I just need to go home now. You told me what I needed to know. She's gone. There's nothing I can do about it. I just go home. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that sucks. Or like you said, I have enough evidence here. This statement she just gave me, maybe I need to go get help. I would be like, okay, I totally understand. Thank you for clearing that up. Let me go get on my fucking you know, evil eye dingy or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, I'm gone. (laughs) I'm fucking leaving and I'm not coming back without more people. Yeah. And it's totally shifted at this point with her saying that this is no longer a missing persons case. No. It's possibly a murder investigation. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I just, I don't know. I just think he's being an asshole. He didn't need to be an asshole. No. That's what I'm saying. He could have just been like, you know, cool. You said what I needed to hear. Yeah. I'll be back. Good. And it all boils back down to me. Who sent that letter? Somebody yes. yeah. sent him that letter. Exactly. And why? Yeah. But she tells him that her body is in the earth. They get into a semantic argument over the use of the word church, as it's really just a building now, as it's no longer used for Christian worship, but her body is buried outside of the building that used to be a church. Miss Rose returns to her children as Howie walks past the now empty maypole and into the graveyard. I'm sad that the song is over, but you know, <laughs> they got other shit to do today. <laughs> But he finds a grave that reads, here lies Beach Buchanan, protected by the ejaculation of serpents. I'm sorry. All right. I was unaware. I I don't even know what to make of that. But he continues on past gravestones and markers, eventually stumbling upon a woman played by Barbara Rafferty, breastfeeding a baby and balancing an egg in one hand. I understand the egg is like a representation of fertility. Right. Uh, but Howie just needs to leave the island. <laughs> like, yeah. this, this place is not for you. Yeah, clearly you cannot hang no. at all. And it's funny to me because I think that he's seen so much that he literally has no reaction to this, <laughs> which is surprising because he's kind of had something to say about everything. Yeah. 
But his eyes peer over to a couple of baskets labeled Summer Isle Apples. He fucking smashes them in anger, and then he collects two planks of wood from them. He splits one and shoves the other down into it, forming a crucifix. I thought it was interesting because the way he did it kind of implied penetration. I didn't see it at the time, but I can, I mean, I can kind of see that. I, I just took it as extremely disrespectful because this is not what that person believed. Right. right. And so it's kind of desecrating. Yeah. Them oh, absolutely. To, I mean, it just, um, I was just, wow. Like you, <laughs> you should have like believed the, in this. This has nothing to do with you. So you, like you did that for yourself. I mean, it's yeah. just, I, I, everything about that. I was a little shook. He's like, freaking out. He is. Yeah. 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 And again, he's continuing to lose me. Yeah. But he turns to leave and bumps into an old gardener slash grave digger played by Aubrey Morris. Howie asks him about the trees planted on the graves in the cemetery and directs his attention to a small tree growing out of the ground, asking what kind it is. The gardener says it's a Rowan, as that's where Rowan Morrison is buried. I was like, okay, after talking to the teacher who was nothing but riddles, this yeah. man is like, oh, she's right yeah, there. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> why didn't I just come talk to you? Yeah. <laughs> I was very surprised. But he says that she's been dead for six or seven months, but they're late with the headstone. I was like, that's odd that he's like, he's not like, we don't say that here. Yeah. Because he asks, how long has oh, Rowan that's been dead? True. He's yeah. like, oh, she's been dead about yeah, I was like, what yeah. the fuck? Are you new to the island? <laughs> but Howie notices what appears to be a piece of skin hanging from the tree. And the gardener tells him that it's Rowan's umbilical cord. He's like, where else would it go? Howie asks where his minister lives. And of course, the gardener is not about that life and just chuckles. He gets a very good laugh, too. Yeah, he yeah. laughs pretty hard. He's like, a minister. <laughs> and then the scene just ends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Howie heads back to the post office and inside. Okay, so Myrtle has a sore throat, mm-hmm. right? May's solution for her daughter's sore throat is to shove a live frog into her mouth. Right. And after a moment, she pops the frog out Mm. and gives her a candy for her trouble. All right. Now, I've heard of a frog in your throat, but this is... (laughs) Yeah, I didn't understand what kind of magic this was. Have you tried it, though? No. What if it cleared... You mean you don't lick toad? No. (laughs) No? (laughs) It gets chills all through your body. It just just made me laugh because he's like watching this happen in the background and he he doesn't even say anything. No, again, I think I think they broke him. Yeah, I do. Of of course, you're you're holding a frog in your mouth. Of course, why not? Why not? not? But Howie just makes his way to the back, which is funny to me because it's like, yeah, you came back here once. That doesn't mean you just (laughs) keep coming back here. But May asks if they can help him, and he says that they can't, seeing that they're all raving mad. I thought it was odd that he didn't ask about Rowan at all. Yeah. That is weird because even in the her registration stuff, it said that that is her house. Yeah. 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 But he doesn't ask one question. So he like the teacher's the biggest liar but, of yeah. them all. But like, yeah, but the, you're fine. Her mother. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay. the frog. The frog. Yeah. Was like, no, I'm, I'm not even going to ask. Not at all. <laughs> I will. I did. I did laugh because she put the frog in a glass box. And she's like, now the frog has your sore throat. Now yeah. I'm like, he didn't sign up for that. <laughs> He's like, you motherfucker, you tricked me. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of interrogating her anymore, he just heads to the registrar's office and meets with the librarian played by Ingrid Pitt. He asks her for the index of death, but she won't release it without permission from Lord Summerisle. He threatens her with jail time if she doesn't comply. So she stops eating her lunch to retrieve it for him. 
When she goes in her drawer to get the paperwork, she takes out a can of peaches and uh-huh. puts it on the desk and like looks at him like, yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 I was just surprised he didn't further Gordon Ramsay her. Yeah, that is, yeah that's true. I The thing about that, though, is, and I didn't even realize it until this moment, it all makes sense why everything's canned. Yes. And we learn. Yeah. And she's like, look, I don't like it any more yeah. than you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> But in the ledger, he finds the names Benjamin and Rachel Morrison, saying that they're names from the Bible, and the librarian says, yes, they were very old. But the peculiar thing is that there's no record of Rowan's death. Incidentally, that means that there's no death certificate either. He hands the book back to the librarian, asking if she knew Rowan, and she says, of course she did. So this is the first. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I know the the they were kind of forced to admit that they knew her the Uh teacher but this is the first person he's asked and oh yeah no of course just straight up i mean the grave digger was like yeah that's her grave (laughs) but i mean the the first person that's like oh no yeah i knew her Yeah. yeah he even shows her the picture and the librarian confirms her identity but when she's asked how rowan died she says she doesn't know anything about rowan at all so he just thanks her and leaves. Well, it's like, but you just said. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> see, people change their stories in two seconds, and he never yeah. asked. And he, did he's they like, teach right. you like <laughs> any follow-up questions at all? He's just like, yeah, and good day, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> but in the next scene, we open on a massive jar labeled foreskins. All right, the camera pans <laughs> as as you do, yeah. as you do. But the camera pans across preserved bugs as well as labeled organs cast in resin. Howie interviews the man working in the shop, T.H. Lennox, played by Donald Eccles. He was the man singing about boners earlier. (laughs) (laughs) We meet again. (laughs) (laughs) But more importantly, Howie identifies him as the man who takes the photos at the end of the Harvest Festivals. He asks Lennox about last year's photograph, and Lennox is surprised to learn that it's damaged and not hanging with the others, like Alder told him. Even worse, there are no copies of this photo. So very annoyed, Howie shows him Rowan's photograph again, as he already did once in the Green Man Inn, asking whether or not she was in the 1972 photo. Lennox please the fifth. He literally stands there silent. <laughs> it's like, thanks for nothing. Like, yeah, no shit. You're not even <laughs> trying. At least make the effort to lie to me. <laughs> but in a montage of Howie riding in a carriage in some rather phallic-shaped shrubbery, we're once again treated to the song. Yeah. <laughs> Corn rigs. I was like, it's back. Yeah, dude. I, I was so happy. <laughs> but it made me laugh because he's being pulled on that horse-drawn carriage. Uh-huh. And I've never seen somebody so angry sitting in the yeah. back. No, he's fucking pissed. But we then see in hazy cinematography, a group of naked girls are sat in a circle in a large field around a fire as Miss Rose joins them in a white dress. She takes a bit of red flowers, holds them close to her face, and then tosses it into the fire. The girls dance nude around the fire, singing the song Fire Leap. In the song, they tell her to take the flame inside of her to make the baby strong, make it grow, make it stay, make it cry, and eventually make it king. We see a pregnant woman walking through a field in cutaways, but then we see Howie arrive on the scene in that carriage he was riding in earlier. Seeing all the naked women, he just turns away like everywhere I fucking look. (laughs) He turns away like... 
stupid sexy women feeling free in their stupid <laughs> sexy bodies he's like the poster child for repression yes like we it's very clear why you're so angry dude. yes yeah. like it's it's a lot Be, and i think that that is something that really comes up in just a little bit with lord summer isle is this kind of battle between i guess societal expectations of mm-hmm. what you were taught and the free will to be what desires are inside of you. Right. Because this man, again, is sweating. Yeah. <laughs> He's fighting for his life. <laughs> but the carriage continues on to a beautiful and massive property. Inside the large house, Broom, played by Roy Boyd, who looks a lot less like Pedro Pascal in the light of day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tells Howie that Lord Summer Isle has been expecting him. But Howie walks past a wall of vintage firearms and swords and into a room with a large organ. After surveying an incredible array of wooden furniture, he walks over to the window and sees the girls dancing naked around the fire off in the distance. It suddenly looks like Stonehenge now? Yeah. Yes. I was going to ask about that. I have no idea, but I thought the same thing. Yeah. All right. Because they come to it later again. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. And it's very clearly. Yeah. I don't know it's if it's like, modeled right. or if this is like. I don't know. Did you guys film yeah. Stonehenge? <laughs> <laughs> but he stares a little longer than someone who is disgusted by what he sees. Exactly. But he is interrupted by Lord Summer Isle, played by the one and only, the iconic Sir Christopher Lee. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Yes. yes. His voice is so commanding. Like, I can't get over how good he is in this role. And he is. And he is. The hairdo was a little for me. <laughs> it was a- I, and I think I think that goes to us knowing old Christopher Lee. Yeah. Because right. I'm like, I've never seen... And I've, No, not at all. But I also feel like everything about him needs to be in such stark contrast mm-hmm. to Howie. Uh-huh. You know, so maybe his hair's a little, yeah. maybe it's a little unkempt. <laughs> That's true. He's like his, uh, his opposite or whatever. Yeah. He's Bizarro Howie. <laughs> so I, th- I feel like Christopher Lee is one of those actors that no matter how old you are, no matter who you are, there is something that you've seen with him in it. For sure. And you love him for a reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I did hear a lot in a, several interviews that of all the films he's been a part of ever, this is his favorite. That's a tall claim yeah. because yeah. he's been in everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was I was very blown away to hear that. And he cared about this film so much. Like I said, he was going promoting it and stuff in the States on his own dime doing this. Nice. And he was not paid at all for this film. Really? That's amazing. Damn, okay. He, he said that the way that the budget was, he said some films you do for a paycheck. Yeah. Some films you do for love. Yeah. Oh, and I, was I, like, I could see that with this movie. Yeah. A lot of the choreography and a lot of them, even, you know what I mean? They had to work together to learn all this shit. Oh, yeah. I bet they were having a blast fucking <laughs> yeah. rehearsing doing this. I just, it's funny to me that, again, he's worked with Scorsese, Tim Burton. Yeah. Fucking like, and he's like, he's the like, Wicker no, Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he says that he hopes the sight of the young people refreshes him. But Howie says that it does not. (laughs) I just can't stand him. (laughs) 
Summer Isle says that he heard that he's looking for a girl, and Howie says that he's found Rowan in her grave. He asks for permission to exhume the body to be taken to the mainland for a pathologist's report. He says he suspects murder and the conspiracy to commit murder. With a smile, Summer Isle gives him the go-ahead. Howie calls out Summer Isle's seeming lack of concern, but Summer Isle says that due to their religion, he confidently believes that nobody here would commit murder. This opens the door for Howie to just shit all over his religion and everything that he's seen so far on the island. Summer Isle just walks over to the piano and plays a bit of Fire Leap, which was like, (laughs) (laughs) that was a flex. And I was very (laughs) pleased by that. But he says that the girls dancing outside love their divinity lessons. Howie once again remarks that they're naked, and Summer Isle says that it's much too dangerous to leap through fire fully clothed. He's like, duh. Fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) But Howie asks what they could possibly be learning by doing that, and Summer Isle says parthenogenesis, or reproduction without sexual union. Howie is flabbergasted. He says fake biology, fake religion, and he asks if they've ever heard of Jesus Christ. Summer Isle has his number, though, and he says, the same Jesus who was born of a virgin mother impregnated by a ghost? Tell him. <laughs> this is yeah. one of my favorite moments in the whole film because yeah. it really, it's like, okay, if our shit doesn't make sense, your shit doesn't make sense either. Absolutely. Mm. It's like you could, if you want to poke holes, we could do that all day with anything. And I think that's what confuses me so much about disputes with religion is that once you start peeling yeah. layers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like, leave the onion as it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and his face was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, he was speechless. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Summer Isle asks him to sit down, remarking that shocks are so much easier absorbed with the knees bent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already like, okay, yeah. Summer Isle, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go into battle. And like, <laughs> what, what do you need? What's funny is that Howard immediately obliges, but I'm like, dude, Christopher Lee tells you to do it. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> you got him on like, Just so commanding. But Summer Isle explains that the girls are jumping through flames, hoping that it will make them fruitful. He says it's better to be impregnated by a god than some acne-scarred artisan. I mean... Right. All right. <laughs> but he says that it's important for every generation on Summer Isle to understand that the old gods aren't dead. Howie asks about the true god, the Christian god, Summer Isle says, oh, he's dead. (laughs) Speaking of dead. He says that that God had his chance and he blew it. Howie, infuriated, (laughs) rises to his feet. He's like, what? (laughs) I have in my notes that his reaction to he blew it was every, like, he'd never been more shocked in his life. But Summer Isle continues, showing Howie old photos of settlers struggling through the seasons. But in 1868, Summer Isle's grandfather bought this island and changed everything. They move into the dining room where Summer Isle explains that what drew his grandfather to the island, aside from what he calls the profuse source of wiry labor, was the volcanic soil in the Gulf Stream that surrounded it. Heading outside and into a gorgeous garden, Summer Isle says that this soil and the conditions of the island allowed them to grow and develop new strains of fruit. He figured the way to energize the people was to bring back the old gods, and in doing so, would bring them an abundance of fruits in their harvests. They started to follow his grandfather at first because he gave them food and clothes, 
But after the fruit started coming in, everything changed. The ministers fled the island and never returned. Summer Isle says what his grandfather started out of expediency, his father continued out of love. As they continue through the garden, Howie munching on a piece of fruit, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, why are you snacking? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were mad. It's like, you filming this on break? Like, <laughs> Summer Isle recounts his upbringing, how his father taught him how to revere the culture of the old gods, to love nature, fear it, rely on it, and appease it. Howie shouts that he was raised to be a pagan, but Summer Isle counters that he's a heathen to be sure, but an enlightened one. See, you were supposed to be here for the girl. Uh-huh. You're now, now you're bringing God. And I know he was before and he was criticizing her, but now you're just, this whole conversation, you've just been shitting on this dude. 100%. You know what I mean? Then he tells you, you know what I mean, what's going on and you don't like it. Yeah. And it, literally none of this needs to be anything more than yeah. just learning no. what they believe. And he says pagan like it's an insult. Like yeah. It's like dripping with disgust. Yeah. That's at, it's at this point where I'm like, it doesn't even feel like you're here about yeah. Rowan anymore. No. Like, this entire conversation, wouldn't you just be like, okay, but... I you gave me permission to exhume her. Okay, thank you. Good day. Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah it. that's it. And maybe even redirect back. But he's just like, what else did your fucking father do? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's like, what is your problem? It's crazy. But all how he cares about is the law, and he reminds Summer Isle that despite everything, he's still the subject of a Christian country. He once again asks for permission to exhume Rowan's body, but Summer Isle reminds him that he already granted him permission. A long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. They were still in the house when that happened. Yeah, yeah. He's so caught up with this religion stuff that he doesn't even, he's just fucking zonked. He's like, why am I here again? Yeah. In yeah. <laughs> your name, sir. <laughs> but just then, the carriage arrives to take Howie away. The camera focuses on some kind of trinket hanging from a tree and swinging in the breeze. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't either. And I was like, oh, that's going to come back. And yeah. it just no, it not. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to black and we never see it again. <laughs> <laughs> but in the dead of night, the old gardener helps Howie to remove Rowan's coffin from her grave. But when they finally pry it open, the men look inside. Howie looks confused and the old gardener just laughs. He laughs his ass off. Yeah. I was like, first of all, he did not need to laugh at him like that. Yeah. The little girl did say that she was a hare. Yes. Yeah. And that's what we see. Yeah. yeah. He continues to cackle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the camera presses in on the dead body of a hare. So that's my thing is like Myrtle kind of is being a kid. Right. Right. And we'll get into it later. But I think might have said something that she should. She have wasn't said. supposed yeah. to. Yeah. I like that. Uh, because kids will do that. Right. Yeah. Um, it just that gardener, grave digger, whatever. It's like when you love what you do, you never work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen anybody that happy at work. See how happy is he's got to fill that hole now. Like, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> he's like, damn it. Well, even earlier he was like a minister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's having a blast, dude. But they, I mean, but they kind of do, huh? Summer Isle. Well, I mean, if he's, it's a like a round, it's a, like a th 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 thesaurus. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even fucking talk. I, I was so flabbergasted by the point that was made. <laughs> You're on fucking wasp spray. And I <laughs> a th 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 a thesaurus. <laughs> I think I got electrocuted. <laughs> The power of Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I He's was like, watch out. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful now. 
But Howie rushes back to Summer Isle's estate where he finds him playing piano as Miss Rose lies on the floor with a glass of wine singing the song Tinker of Rye. <laughs> They're getting it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. It's great. And his fucking, is, I think it's called a baritone. Yeah. yeah. He's killing it. But the song is clearly about banging. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It's great. Every, yeah. every song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they had the decency on this song to start with banging. <laughs> yeah. But Summer Isle joyously joins in on the chorus. But their good time is interrupted when Howie tosses the dead hair right in front of them. He did not need to do that. Yeah. I laughed because he was carrying it in his bare hand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, go wash. First yeah. of all, that's how bunny pox got started. <laughs> but that was just insulting. And he carried yeah. it the whole way there. She's over. like laying with her wine and it's all yeah. sensual. And he's like, man, like, <laughs> he, that's just rude. On the rug, man. Yes. Yeah. Like, come on. What do you say? A little decor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he tells them that he found the hair in Rowan's grave. And Summer Isle only remarks that Rowan loved the March hairs. It's like, yeah, her mom told me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Rose agrees, and Howie calls it all sacrilegious, but the ground isn't consecrated to Christian beliefs, so no. But Miss Rose herself says that it's a very lovely transmutation. Howie, who says that he will no longer be made a fool of, interesting. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Once again, asks where Rowan is. Miss Rose directs his attention to the hair, saying that she's right there physically, but before she can say where her soul is, Howie asks Summer Isle where Rowan is. He reminds Howie that he's the detective, so yeah, where is she? (laughs) I love him. (laughs) He's great. I feel bad loving this dude so much because you know that Howie's coming at it from a place. He's trying to find a missing girl, but Summer Isle's killing it, man. (laughs) Like, I love this dude. It's like, no, why don't you have a fucking scene? It's like, oh. Yeah, the knees bent or whatever. Like, God damn. But Howie recounts the events so far. He was called to the island to search for a missing girl. He was told the child didn't exist. He finds out that she does exist, but that she's dead. But there's no death certificate. But he finds a grave, but the grave has no body. And in that grave, there was a... He's like, fuck no, I'm singing. Yeah, goddammit, that was catchy. I'm sorry. I'm not immune. But Howie has a theory. Rowan Morrison was murdered under some kind of pagan barbarity, and he says that he plans to report this to the chief constable tomorrow and call for a full investigation to take place on the island. Okay, so they have been giving him the Blues Traveler runaround. (laughs) I understand the frustration, but maybe if we're still staying the night here, don't say all that. He's like, I'm going to sleep and be vulnerable and then I'm fucking (laughs) leaving and coming back. It's like, no. Dude, I... Be quiet. This is why I'm saying, why didn't you bring back up? Yeah. Like, you are alone on this island full of people who seem to uh, like each other a lot (laughs) and seem to get along well enough to maybe take part in... What another conspiracy, right? Since you already believe that one already happened, yes. If they're gonna dis- disappear a little girl on the island that they knew, you're a fucking what are they nobody. gonna do to you? Yeah. 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 But Summer Isle rings a bell, summoning Broom to take Howie away, saying it's good that he's leaving tomorrow so that he won't have to be subjected to the May Day celebration. In a badass singing voice, Summer Isle hops back into song with Miss Rose. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "No, where were we?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he walks over and he's like, "Oh, like, oh my god!" Like he just 
Howie doesn't even exist to him anymore. Yeah. Oh, you know, after the song, they were fucking. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. They probably were before the yeah. song, oh. too. Or maybe during. I don't know. <laughs> Clean up the, the hair, though. Yeah, we, yeah, hair. we can't. Yeah. No. no, none of that. Rowan's just a child. You yeah, need to get her out of yeah. here. Put her to bed. <laughs> but Howie just leaves. And oddly, I did think that he was going to be leaving the island at this point. No. Nope. But he immediately heads to Linux's shop and breaks in, sneaking into the back room and going through folders of photographs. Eventually, he finds what I believe are the negatives from 1972. They weren't buried under a highway somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And after developing them, he finds photographic evidence of a poor yield of crops from that year. And in the photo, surrounded by zero baskets of fruit, is a smiling Rowan Morrison. She's like, I was like, is she celebrating the failed yeah. crops? She looks happy as she fuck. She does. Yeah. She's like, well, I'm the May Queen. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. But how he understands now, Rowan was sacrificed. Looking at a calendar with May the 1st circled, he remembers Summer Isle telling him that it would be best for him not to be here for the celebration tomorrow. Could this count as a research scene? Because this it sure yeah, felt like one. This is of. one, and the next scene. Even definitely. more. Yeah. <laughs> The next morning, a group of children proceed in a line, holding a doll at the front, proclaiming that they're carrying death out of their village. Inside of a library, Howie does that customary research (laughs) thing, reading up on May Day festivals and traditions. He reads that the purpose of spring festivals was to ensure a plentiful autumn as people lived or died by their harvests. But in modern day, the book says that the festivals are more harmless, but it recounts the usual cast of characters that one would see during a celebration. A man on a hobby horse, a woman who plays the role of a teaser, and a fool called Punch, I'm assuming from Punch and Judy fame, Yeah, who is given the role of king for a day. Now, they're just picking and choosing shit because Punch is of English origin. Punch is like a... Commedia dell'arte. Exactly. A, an iteration of the like the fool, the clown right. from that. Yeah, yeah, so it's not fucking ancient Celtic. No. Yeah, yeah. But they're like, this will sound good. Yeah. It's like you should and, do the costume. And honestly <laughs> <laughs> And I bought it until I thought about it a little bit longer. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Don't dig too deep. Just no, accept yeah. what you're go. being given. Yeah. But the book says that six swordsmen follow behind them, and at the end of the ceremony, they interlock their swords in the symbol of the sun. Back in the day, though, these ceremonies would end in a sacrifice. If the harvest was good, they would sacrifice animals. But if the harvest had been poor, they would sacrifice people. Putting it all together, Howie realizes that Rowan isn't dead, but she will be sacrificed for May Day. He then goes over the possible methods, drowning, burned alive, or beheading, and he remarks aloud that even the people of Summer Isle can't be that crazy. You're saying the quiet part out loud. Yes. Yeah. Um, and while he was reading in his head, that lady was looking at him like she could read his thoughts. Yeah, yeah dude. I'd be was... like, I'm going to go read this under my blanket. And no. like, I don't know why he's scared. He needs the fucking tin hat from Sign. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that old woman looks over at him after he says that almost like, well, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know what we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> but how he goes on to read about the priest who would normally play the teasing woman in the ceremony and would skin a child and wear their skin ceremonially to guarantee a successful harvest next year. He closes the book, having read more than enough, and then he goes to meet with the harbormaster, who takes him on the dinghy back to his seaplane. 
the camera focuses on the blue eye on the side of the dinghy, which still creepy. Yeah. But Howie says that he'll return shortly with more police officers. And we see villagers wearing crude animal masks, watching them as they go. <laughs> the harbor master making eye contact with them as even more appear to the sound of discordant strings. Yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> yes. uh, when they popped up in those masks, I was like, you're fucked. Yeah. I knew immediately when he's like, it'll be bad. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. No. shut the fuck up. You, yeah. yeah. But I'm like, you're not going anywhere. Not at you're, all. You're not going anywhere. And he makes it to the seaplane. But of course, the engine won't start. He had to have known they were. Uh, I, yeah. How did you not think that nobody was going to go fuck with your plane? You told them your plans. Yeah. To the leader. Yeah. All the time. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, every, anyone would listen to you <laughs> yeah. and tell them what was By going on. By the way. Yeah. More cops. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I leave this island, y'all are fucked. Yeah. Like, that's what he's telling them. So and why would they let you leave the island? Maybe we sabotage his plane? I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's up there asleep right now. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. been breaking into places and researching all night. Yeah. He's, not, he's not even looking <laughs> over here. It's all tuckered out. <laughs> But Howie tries to call in on the radio, but there's no connection. The harbor master rows away, telling him to have a good flight, which was really fucked yeah. up. <laughs> but Howie reaches up, attempting to move the blades manually, but they won't budge. The animal people, as soon as they see this, crouch behind the wall. Terrifying. I was like, that fucking yeah. rat chewed through the... <laughs> but it's horrifying to see them. And I don't know if it's the old fashioned masks or what, but it's a lot. Those masks are scary. They are. And so many films have done this. Yeah. yeah. So it's like crazy to see how influential mm -hmm. it is. But Howie calls for the harbor master to return, which he does. He asks if anyone has messed with his seaplane, but the harbor master says that he never saw anyone. I just feel like at this point, I, I know... Somebody did something. Of course. Oh, yeah. I've been talking a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In all fairness. Yeah. yeah. Any number of people could have been pissed off enough to come and fuck with my shit. Yeah. He <laughs> even still could have been like, can you please come back? I'm having, he's like, get back. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, Wait, I would I'm start. On the megaphone. Yes. I would start getting <laughs> real nice, real quick. Because the shit that I've been doing since I've gotten here is not one me yeah. any friends. Have you ever like fucked up so badly, but didn't realize how bad you fucked up? And then once you realized, you replayed all the small little yes. fuck ups yeah. <laughs> that led you to oh, this I point. Fucked yeah. up. I was like, oh god, all those people I told that I'd be. Yeah. <laughs> but the harbor master jokes that someone could row him to the mainland, but that would probably take about a week. Howie stares him in the face and says that he'll just have to find Rowan Morrison himself then. Stop. Yeah. Stop yeah. it. Stop. Well, so you're going to search for Rowan. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows everything. But heading back into town, he finds Oak dressed as the hobby horse and begins a game of cat and mouse through alleyways. This was kind of frustrating for me to watch because you're clearly being baited. Oh, yeah. He's not running from you. He's waiting until you come around the corner and shaking his little costume and yeah, then running. Yeah. He's like, follow me. Like, yes. he, he, you're being baited. I don't yeah. understand how he's still like, well, I'm going to catch you. It's like, no, he wants you to chase <laughs> yeah. him. Is he the worst detective Horrible. ever? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, if we're ranking detectives right <laughs> He's at the bottom. <laughs> I just really... And the entire thing is like, again... I just learned about this shit this morning. Yeah. Like, it's fitting too perfectly. It's yeah. too much. Yeah, he's down there with Detective Matthews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then go. <laughs> but finally catching up with him, he peers through a window where a group is gathered outside for festivities. Even Lord Summer Isle is there, dancing around and checking in with his villagers to make sure everything is good to go. 
a band is playing and an old man is stirring a cauldron of what can only be described as sludge. Yeah, it looked it didn't look good. Yeah. No. He's like, this sludge came from a can. <laughs> <laughs> and the sludge never comes up again, does it? No. Yeah, it's, I thought it was like tar. Me so too. I was like, oh, they're gonna fuck yeah. this yeah. up. I was afraid and yeah. nah. No feathers either. No. Like no. <laughs> no feathers. Well, they run together, the tar yeah. and the feathers. <laughs> <laughs> but Summer Isle takes to the stage, quieting the band. He says that they should all meet in the town square at three o'clock sharp, then form a procession through the village and the countryside to the beach and to the stones by the route which has become sacred to their right. But he says this year, as they already know, a holy sacrifice will be offered to Nuada, the god of the sun, and to Avelinau, the goddess of the orchards, to give them renewed power. He leads them in a chant, hailing the queen of the May. Now, again... This feels too perfect. Yeah. Literally, like, the idea in Howie's mind. Mm-hmm. They think I'm gone, so they're just saying everything. Yeah. yeah, but, like, think about it, dude. You were literally led here. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're doing that. And he's... <laughs> he wasn't even really hiding. He's no. just, like, standing <laughs> in the window. <laughs> his full face <laughs> in frame. It's not even like it's, it's just his just, eyes and his scalp. Too, it's I feel like uh, maybe arrogance... Maybe yeah. he, he thinks that he's so smart that they couldn't possibly get anything over on him. I don't know what it is, but th- this is, dare I say, foolish. Oh, yes. hmm, very well played. It also made me laugh because I can't remember who Summer Isle was talking to about their costume, but he's like, it shrinks every year and uh, clothes do be shrinking every year. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic taught me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say that the arrogance might come from you know and not to quote that lady from wife swap but they're not christian (laughs) they're (laughs) dark-sided yeah so i think that that's what he thinks he's like they're not even smart enough to believe in jesus right so i got their fucking number clearly they couldn't be you know manipulating the shit out of me exactly no of course not man i'm safely behind this wall yeah (laughs) But at the post office, May cuts a cake of a woman into pieces, which I was like, huh. Yeah. Yeah. But Howie walks in, May is surprised to see him, assuming he had gone back to the mainland. Maybe this was just me because I really felt like from the minute that he found out that his um, plane wasn't starting Uh and he came back, I was on edge watching him follow this dude and being led and then clearly putting on a show for his benefit. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm already, I'm, I'm very unnerved and I feel like everybody's in on this. And mm-hmm. so when he walked into the post office, the chime sounded weird to me. In all fairness, I like mean, it was like, ding, ding. like it was yeah. like a weird, like I, 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 and maybe it was just me being like, Oh, you're fucked. You're fucked. Yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. Like well, you're fucked. You but know, it sounded strange in all honesty. Whenever she had that customer that she left and he spoke to Myrtle, uh-huh. I remember a very normal chime. It to me sounded off. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how he tries to appeal to her and he says that he doesn't know if she knows it or not, but Rowan is still alive and they have her hidden somewhere. He begs her to tell him where she is, asking what kind of mother she is to sit by and watch her child be slaughtered. May advises him to go back to the mainland and stop interfering in things that aren't his concern. But Howie is fucking over it, announcing his plan to search every house on the island and plans to arrest anyone who gets in his way as an accomplice to murder. Giving it all away, 
May tells him that he simply will never understand the true nature of sacrifice. Yes! I'm like, so your daughter yeah. is going to be sacrificed? Yeah, I was like, yeah. uh, that sounded like a confession yeah. to me. Yeah. And you never, she wasn't like, I already told you that's not my daughter. She never said that. No. Yeah. She's just like, man, you don't even get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think he gets us. <laughs> We're talking about you. <laughs> But furious, Howie storms off, calling them heathens. Again, nothing to do with Rowan, all on the religious stuff. Yeah. Yep. But Howie heads to a nearby house and rings a doorbell. A couple of children wearing cat masks peek their heads out of the upstairs window, and Howie tells them to take their masks off. <laughs> now, <laughs> he, has, he has no authority here. No. And it makes me laugh because it just makes me think of, take off that mask, <laughs> like Nicolas Cage or whatever. And, that was pretty good. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, and I, because I watched some clips from Nicolas Cage's The Wicker Man mm -hmm. yesterday, and it's so funny how they take so much from little moments in this film that don't really mean that much him yelling at these children in the window and what Nicolas Cage does with it is like <laughs> fucking hilarious. Well, I'm excited to watch that. Oh, yeah. and we will cover that. Yeah. Yeah. For we sure. have to cover that. But when the front door opens, he forces his way past their annoyed mother to search the house for Rowan behind a curtain. He finds an actual secret passage with a spiral staircase but instead of investigating that, yes! he's like, yeah. oh, that checks out. <laughs> Every house has these, I believe. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> he turns his attention to two puppets on a nearby bed who are clearly in the middle of making it sweet. Yeah, no, oh, they, yeah. they were copulating <laughs> for sure. And even this is too much for him. And he backhands yeah. the puppets, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious. He's like, if I'm not getting any, no one yeah. is. <laughs> I didn't see a ring on that puppet's finger. <laughs> But after he does this, we see him leave the house and continue his search of other homes on the island. After breaking into another house, he rips a sheet off of a box to reveal a clown puppet. So to me, it feels like this is a full like setup. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They're leaving these puppets here to taunt him, it feels like. But he's just taking the bait he's every like, time. Oh, God yeah. damn it. Yeah. He's so just beyond yeah. at this point he's like as long as that clown's not touching himself i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> it's fine <laughs> that clown it can could, stay it could be worse <laughs> <laughs> but inside the house he hears the librarian singing baba black sheep behind a closed door he barges in and finds the librarian naked sitting seductively in a very small bathtub as she sucks her thumb at him and reveals her breasts, he apologizes, staring a little too long uh, yeah. <laughs> before closing the door. He sure did linger, though. He did. Yeah. He's like, I need to commit this. To <laughs> <laughs> think of Marilyn. Think of Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> but after this, he just continues on searching a large dresser at a nearby house. The left side of the dresser opens and a girl appearing to be dead with blood on her mouth falls to the floor. When he goes to check on her, she springs to life laughing at him and running away. You little shit. Yeah. Like what <laughs> the fuck? Again, they're, this is a lot. Yeah. They're having fun. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. having fun. At this point, if you're him, don't you realize that you're probably fucked? Oh, That's yeah. what I'm saying. And think about it. I know I keep bringing it up. Who wrote you that letter? I uh, yeah. yeah. You were brought here. You were summoned here. And then everybody acted like, what? No, I don't. Like, if this were all some secret sacrifice, who would write to you and ask you to come here? Right. These are all great questions. I'm like, yeah. these are all Sir. great questions a detective should <laughs> be asking, but nah. 
But through a window in another house, he sees a large fishing vessel off in the distance. We cut to him on that fishing vessel. Yes. Not sure how he got there. (laughs) (laughs) But after coming up empty in the search on that vessel, he returns to the island to search a bakery. The baker, played by John McGregor, takes a large human-shaped piece of bread out of the oven, telling Howie that it's John Barleycorn, the life of the fields, when asked. Yeah, I'm glad you said when asked, because I laughed out loud. Unless... They breaded and baked Rowan. This has nothing <laughs> yeah, to do with no what you're shit. doing. No. But he takes it out and, and he's like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> like, there better not be a little girl in there. Mind your, mind I, your go about your business. Like, it's crazy. It's so funny to me because the answer he gives still doesn't explain he anything yeah. to me. <laughs> I, still, I still don't understand. Just tell me it's bread. Just tell me it's bread, dude. Can I have some of that bread? Yeah, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a hand. <laughs> yeah, looks nice and crispy. But Howie (laughs) then bumps into the fishmonger, played by John Young, who shows off his fish costume for the festivities, calling it the Salmon of Knowledge. We then see the butcher, played by Charles Kearney, showing off his costume after Howie observes hanging meat carcasses. This was just so unnerving because I'm like, if they're letting this dude roam around, Mm -hmm. search shit, ask questions... You have something in store that it doesn't matter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, the fact that <laughs> this dude literally was like, and this is my costume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like, dude, why is everybody so chill? The, the, <laughs> the scene starts with him saying, oh, this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing. <laughs> but now at the funeral home, Howie investigates a couple of small caskets. He finds the first one empty, but in the second one, he finds the body of an old woman with coins on her eyes and one missing hand. Now, the hand is bandaged and there's blood on the bandage. Yeah. So that was a little confusing. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it was removed post-mortem, there wouldn't be fresh blood on the bandage. But I'm like, again, I know that this is scary and there's something weird going on. That's not Rowan. No. Um, And people can also still die. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It still happens here. Only one person is allowed (laughs) to die on the side. Go about your business. (laughs) Like, you either need to go hide Mm -hmm. or start swimming. Like, get the fuck out of here. And it only took two songs to get here. Swim back. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) But get your iPod shuffle. Yes, yeah. get that ready. <laughs> that big ass boat. Yeah. Go, go back on, on that boat. boat. Yes. Yeah. You were on a boat. I just, I can't. Which I again, can't. that vessel is never explained. Yeah. No. no. But out in the streets, music plays, Oak continuing to get the hang of his hobby horse costume. Howie finally returns to the Green Man Inn where he finds Willow tending bar with her father. She asks where the other cops are, and he says that there aren't any and that his plane won't start. But he orders a glass of whiskey and downs it as Alder says that he must be exhausted after tearing the whole village apart. Uh, yeah. I mean, what more? Yeah. So they're watching you as well. Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. But Howie just snags his room key and says that he's going to nap for half an hour and doesn't want to be disturbed. I'm going to go up there alone and I'm going to be vulnerable. All right. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> just want everyone nobody, to know. Nobody go in there. <laughs> But Alder suggests that he stay there all night as the village doesn't take kindly to strangers on May Day. I mean. Yeah. It, and I'll unpack this more later. Okay. 
But for now, I'll just say you had so many opportunities. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. You had so many opportunities. It's unbelievable. I'm not going to go uh, any further, but we'll we'll talk about it when yeah, we can talk yeah. about it. That's why I, I wanted to say something, but I was like, <laughs> it's no. It's so no. hard. Like, like, like <laughs> even just talking through it again, reliving it, I'm yeah. like, you motherfucker. Yes. Like, yeah. It's frustrating. Each step of the way. And again, these little moments of the characters you seeing behind the scenes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Howie, what the fuck? But... As he sleeps in his bed, Willow peeks at him from downstairs. She whispers to Alder that Howie is asleep, but she's afraid to use it on him. He's asleep with the door open. Yes, he is. The door's open. They're standing right outside the door yeah. and they're speaking at full volume. You couldn't have talked about this at the bar? <laughs> or I you mean, couldn't have closed your door when you went to take a nap? Yeah, I don't, dude, you he's fucking... Like, yeah. oh my yes. God, I'm just so mad at him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? I, he's never... This is awful. <laughs> But Alder says it's what the Lord ordered. But Willow says that using the hand of glory, there's no telling when a person will wake up. Howie's eyes open as he listens in. Alder says that even if he sleeps for days, it's fine because they don't need him butting in. He tells her to go light it up. So she sneaks up the stairs and we see her place something on the nightstand. My only thought here is if I'm him... There's no way they're going to be talking about this that loud where yeah, I can no, hear yeah, them. Yeah. No, they're not. Unless stupid. I'm supposed to hear this. Yeah. He doesn't see it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> so frustrating. <laughs> Will he disagree? Yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> well, who, Nay, who's been a detective for? Uh... Yeah, no shit. <laughs> but she calls him her pretty sergeant and says that it'll help him sleep well. She then bids farewell to her father to join the festivities as he goes to get into his punch costume. Howie turns his head to see a severed hand on a candlestick, the fingers alight with fire. So that was that lady's hand. Yeah. Exactly. He just knocks it over, though, as he falls out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ah! <laughs> sure, sure, man. But he grabs the candlestick and he finds Alder getting changed and knocks him out with it. What is your badge number? Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. There's really, I mean, I will say that again, I understand his whole thing with the culture shock and the differences, yeah, yeah. but there is nothing here that was a crime yet. So knocking him out, I, I, yeah. I don't know that that's even justified at all. I mean, I get it. Maybe I just don't like Howie. No, I think is what's right. going on. Because uh, he yeah, probably would have done the same he, thing. Yeah, but he does, I mean... He didn't need to do that. No. Yeah, he just didn't need I to I think do it's that. more what he does after. Fair. He finds the punch mask on the dresser and steals Alder's costume, leaving him tied to the bed frame. My only note here is, Sergeant, you are going to massively regret that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, and it's so funny to me because you don't know anything about this fucking celebration, really. Yeah. You read a book for two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Literally. You, know, you don't know what punch has to do. But we do see a procession by the water, everyone in their costumes, including Summer Isle, who plays the sinister tease and criticizes how he's dancing as Punch, thinking that he's Alder just phoning it in. They're like, this is the worst punch yeah. we've ever had. <laughs> I do want to bring up what you said earlier about Summer Isle kind of being their minister. Yeah. Because what he read in the book was that the priest wears this costume. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in a way, he is their priest. Yeah. But after the criticism, how he doesn't want to be found out. So he starts busting moves, dude. 
you know that he was hating every second of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, <laughs> he's like, the angriest dancing you've ever seen. Like you were saying that they're like clearly they're playing him. Like there's no way you could go out there and then just him being like, "Come on, dance." You know uh-huh. what I mean? What are you doing? You know what you're supposed to do. I wouldn't be like, oh, they're buying this shit. I'd be like, I'm fucked. Yes. It's like they, they like, know. Bust yeah, him no, up. yeah, yeah. They, they know it's me. It's like I'm clearly caught. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm gonna do the stanky leg anyway. Yeah. <laughs> this is for me. Yeah. Just one last if time. It's yeah. the last thing I do. <laughs> but we do get a cool shot of the six swords raised up to the sky. The villagers continue on as music plays. A group of women ahead of them. Willow, Miss Rose, and the librarian break away from the women and start to fuck with Howie using wooden swords. Summer Isle is loving it as Howie playfully bats at them, smacking Willow on the ass with his wand. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to... <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> but clouds cover the sun as the group reaches the Stonehenge site of the naked fire dancing from earlier. Summer Isle, who wields a plant and a sickle, leads the six swordsmen to a circle of stone where they form the star, the sign of the sun. They each take turns putting their head in the center of the swords as everyone chants, chop, chop, chop. After a few people go through, Summer Isle grabs Howie's mask, <laughs> saying, everyone must go yeah. through, McGregor. <laughs> he's like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'll just slink to the back. Yeah. <laughs> But Howie holds his mask on as Summer Isle tells him that it's a game of chance. He makes his way through, putting his head between the swords, and thankfully for him, he doesn't get chopped. I was so tense during this entire scene because I can't remember if it was Miss Rose or the librarian, but one of them looked fucking scared. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, this isn't... I know that the ritual that they're doing, or I believe that the ritual they're doing is actually the ritual that they're doing. Uh-huh. But I do feel like there are parts of this that are performative for his, for Howie's benefit. Oh yeah. And so I thought, you know, maybe they're fucking with him. But when she looked like that, I was, was like, like, Oh, oh my no, God. like she looks like she might get her head chopped off. Yeah. yeah. And it seemed, I mean, I don't know because he again did not read about this in the book. Yeah. No. So if I were him, I'd be like, what, else don't i know exactly you shouldn't be here no yeah <laughs> that's step one the only thing that i that i was like because he's seen someone dressed in the rabbit costume yeah so i was like you gotta know even if i go through there they're waiting for that person so that i they can cut their head off mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like if i don't go through here they're gonna know exactly yeah that they already know it's not me but now they're gonna know that it's really not me <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna know that i know that yeah, they know that they know yeah. <laughs> and that's too much Stephen. yeah <laughs> but after he does not get chopped the masked person behind him is not so lucky and after atmospheric shots of the sun the person is promptly decapitated. Howie screams, no! But we see that the person is on the ground alive. They take their mask off to reveal Holly, played by Fiona Kennedy, and she just laughs as we see that it was only the top of her costume that was chopped. Yeah. I When when she got chopped, I was like, two sacrifices? I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I just thought two? Rowan. Yeah. yeah. But it shocked the shit out of me, and the emotion from Howie yeah. should have also been a giveaway. Yeah. But nobody calls him Everybody's on it. Everybody's like, ha he's like, God! Yeah. 
Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> what the like, fuck? McGregor? Are you okay, dude? <laughs> but Summer Isle takes Holly by the hand and directs the group to join him on the beach. Oak takes off his hobby horse costume and near the crashing waves, Summer Isle takes his place on top of a carriage. He grabs an axe and calls out to the god of the sea, offering ale as a libation, begging that the god will bestow them with the rich and diverse fruits of their kingdom. He smashes the barrel with the axe and it's rolled into the sea, creating a rather delicious looking foam. Yeah. It did look delicious. I wanted to take a bite. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was like, man, what 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 exactly was that? Because yeah. that foamed up good. What, <laughs> what kind of ale? Yeah. <laughs> but Summer Isle then prepares the villagers for the next sacrifice for those who control the fruits of the earth. He directs their attention to a stone walkway where men hold torches and standing there tied up in a white dress and flowery accessories is Rowan Morrison, played by Jerry Cowper. Howie immediately breaks camp, rushing up the steps. Broom asks, what's the matter, McGregor? But not like angrily. No. Like the fact that nobody was like, back in line, punch. Yeah, yeah. Like that would be a huge red flag. Like, I, I love yeah. they're, they're calling him punch. <laughs> well, <it's> like, <laughs> he's in character. Yeah. He's in character. I feel like, and I'm sure in that moment, it's just like realization and you need to act, you need to move but it's just strange yeah. that nobody's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Like, stop. What are you, you know what I mean? Not one person. It's just like, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah. Like, it it's, was, it was like playful. Sly and, and knowing. Exactly. But for his efforts, Howie promptly socks him in the face. He does. <laughs> he immediately unties Rowan, telling her who he is, and she begs him to hurry, asking if he knows what they're going to do. The two run away with the town in pursuit and surprisingly funky music playing for their getaway. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, well, I love how this sounds, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but through a cave, he throws part of Rowan's wreath into the water as a diversion. The distraction seems to work as they climb out, losing them. Rowan apologizes, saying that it was worse than she remembered. I don't know what that means. I thought that she meant because it was a hard climb to get out of it. Yeah. Because she's the one that led him through there to get out a back way. Oh, well, that makes sense. So I thought she yeah. meant like, oh, like, sorry, that was, she's like, I'm tired. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was just trying to play it up so that he, he would keep going along with it. Right. Or that, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Whenever she said that, I was like, I, th I think that what led me there, especially with what we see next is like remembered, like rehearsed. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we'll we'll get there in just a second. Literally just a second. Right now. <laughs> because amidst the sound of crashing waves, they turn to see Summer Isle, Willow, and Miss Rose. Summer Isle, they're all out of costume now, by the way. I know. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. funny to me that he had to have scrubbed his face. Yes. Like the whole, the whole yeah. time they're chasing, he's like, let me take this wig off. Yeah. It's like, well, they're handling that. <laughs> but Summer Isle holds out his arms and Rowan rushes to him. She asks if she did it right, and he tells her that she did it beautifully. I fucking knew it. Yes. <laughs> because when he is, you know, rescuing her or whatever, she goes, I don't I don't like it here or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm like, What? You you live you're from here. Yeah. Like it was just the that hit me weird. Yeah. The stuff because that she you're was, not a visitor. No. It just and, and, and for someone to say that is someone 
like him who's an outsider. Exactly. You can say that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. But I feel like it was just what he needed to hear. Mm-hmm. So when she did that, because for a second I was like, oh, fuck, when I saw her. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, this isn't right. This yeah. isn't right. Something's not right. But Howie looks confused as more villagers surround them, including May. Rowan rushes to May, hugging her, and May takes her away because she was her daughter. You bitch! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the biggest liar of all! <laughs> But Howie stares off the edge of the cliff and we get gorgeous shots of rushing water below. Willow links arms with him and Summer Isle says, Welcome, fool. You've come of your own free will to the appointed place. The game is over. Seeing as he is dressed as Punch, that's when I'm like, they planned yeah. Yeah, yeah. everything. Yeah. But Howie asks what game and Summer Isle tells him the game of the hunted leading the hunter. He came here in search of Rowan, but it is they who found him. They brought him here and controlled his every thought and action since his arrival. While Rowan was never to be offered as a sacrifice, it is true that their harvest last year failed. Summer Isle says that must not happen again, and in order to prevent it, they must offer the most acceptable sacrifice they can. Animals are one thing, and a child would be better than that, but not nearly as effective as the right kind of adult. Like the right kind. Yeah. yeah. Howie begins piecing it all together as more masked villagers overlook them from the ridge above. Summer Isle tells him that he is the right kind of adult. Willow and Miss Rose join in, telling him how he's the perfect sacrifice. A man who would come here of his own free will as a king representing the law, a virgin and a fool. I'm like, so the gods like their sacrifice roasted before? Or yeah, like, yeah, like, like, God damn. It's like, we like the skin crispy. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. This, to me, was very interesting because I read that Schaefer reverse engineered the character of Howie based on the traits of an ideal sacrifice. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. Yeah. And... It's really kind of horrifying when you think about Willow and the librarian tempting him earlier. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because his refusal to have sex with them only made him a better sacrifice. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. She, the first night he was there, was like, come on with it. Yeah. yeah. If he would have, he, he really no wouldn't good. have been eligible. Yeah. Yeah. Even as he's searching the houses, the librarian. If he would have, he wouldn't have been eligible. Uh -huh. If he went to his room to take a nap and dude was like, I'd stay up there if I were you. If he would have fucking listened. He wouldn't. Yeah. It's like all of these. He had so many outs and so many chances. So you're saying if he would have had one of those lemon squares when he got there, <laughs> he would have been fine, right? I suppose so. <laughs> now I'm upset. That, yeah. <laughs> Edit out everything I just said. <laughs> I, I just saw your face getting redder and redder. <laughs> Powering up. I will say, though, that it is each one of the steps because if even if he didn't have sex with Willow right. and he stayed in bed, he wouldn't have been the fool. He had, you know, it's that's like what each, I'm saying. each thing. Looking back when he's literally like, I'd stay up there the rest of like yeah. he's, you you're being it's told almost, yeah. it's almost like they were Testing. working against themselves to get him out there yeah. yeah it's like we'll put up every roadblock and if he still comes through and it's I just wow I yeah. think that for them they're testing their mm -hmm. idea 
because they're like, well, we'll see if he actually is yeah. the perfect sacrifice. I mean, he clearly and is. And he's like, guys. Yeah, no. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how he tries to look for a way out as above them, the villagers unmask. He tries to walk past Oak like that's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> sir. <laughs> but Oak just throws him down and picks him up and holds him by the shoulders. Miss Rose tells him that as Punch, he is a fool who has accepted the role of king for a day. But she says that he will be revered and anointed as a king as he'll undergo death and rebirth or resurrection for him she knows mm. <laughs> i know what you like yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got in that argument earlier <laughs> fresh fruit and veg and resurrection <laughs> <laughs> but that rebirth slash resurrection will come in the form of their crops as willow holds a knife on him and the villagers surround them Howie says that as a christian he'll hope for resurrection and he'll live again not their damn apples Willow slices his costume open, and as a musician plays a lyre or a harp, I couldn't really tell. He plays something. Yeah. yeah. These Renaissance instruments are. <laughs> <laughs> Howie is cleaned and undressed. Willow and Miss Rose rub their hair on him, and his hands are cleansed with water. He is then marked with a yellow powder and dressed in a robe. Howie tells Summer Isle that no matter what he does, he believes in the life eternal as promised to him by their Lord Jesus Christ. Summer Isle's like, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and for that, we're going to give you something rare these days, a martyr's death. He'll not only have eternal life, but he'll sit among the saints. He tells him to come as it's now time to keep with his appointment with the wicker man. I don't remember booking an appointment. Yeah. Yeah. I if never. you could go on and cancel that for me, because yeah. I didn't. Who called the wicker man's <laughs> office on my behalf? That's fucked up. If yes. He, if he would have just brought some kind of way to help defend himself. He could. True. I mean, whether I carry a pocket knife or the knife I keep, you know what I mean, on me. <laughs> whether uh, I carry a pocket a, knife or, or a larger knife. Well, uh, <laughs> Is that an ankle either, holster? Uh, yeah. <laughs> either way, though, like when you were there and you seen them there before Big Dude came to grab them, uh -huh. why didn't you could have took Dude hostage? Because I think he's their leader. Either they're either I'm killing him, we're both jumping off, and I'm using him to break my fall on those rocks, uh -huh. and I'm going to try to chance it in the tide. Or, you know what I mean? You guys are going to let me go. See, you know? you're you're thinking more like a person should be thinking. Yeah. I, how, how he's not like that. Yeah, but I how he's not, 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 yeah, not like that. I will say that when he did peer over at the rocks after hearing about the plan kind of coming together, I'm surprised he didn't just hurl himself off. No, yeah. I would have and taken my chances. Oh, yeah. But I think his beliefs prevent him from doing oh, that. Oh, yeah. He can't. So it's oh, like take dude with you. He'll break your fall. I oh mean, yeah, you might break an arm or something. And then but... sail on him. Yeah, like, there uh, you go. What was that movie? Swiss Army Man. <laughs> <laughs> but Howie breaks away from Oak, begging them to listen to him. Whatever flowery language they want to put on it, they're about to commit murder. He tries to appeal to them with logic. Their crops failed because it's nature. This island isn't meant to yield bountiful harvest, and killing him won't change that. He begs Summer Isle to tell them that it won't, but he's like, 
Oh, it will. Yeah. <laughs> Not only will it won't, but the opposite of yeah. that. <laughs> Howie says that if they fail again, the next year, the only sacrifice that will suffice is to kill Summer Isle himself. Mm-hmm. But Summer Isle repeats, they will not fail. It made me laugh because he's like, you don't get to choose who. Nobody said that. are you Lord Summer? (laughs) That's weird. Here, take this fashionable yellow shirt. (laughs) But he says that the sacrifice of the would-be king virgin fool will be accepted. I was like, damn. Rude. (laughs) Howie says that he'll be missed and people will come looking for him. But Summer Isle says that there will be no trace of him. Ah, that's terrifying. (laughs) This is when he orders Oak to lift him up. They carry him out, Oak tying his hands and marching him forward as the group follows behind. There at the top of the hill, we see it. A large wooden man with a ladder leading to an empty cavernous belly. Four men surrounded with torches as Howie screams for his god. I heard that Edward Woodward did not want to see the Wicker Man Mm -hmm. until his character saw the Wicker Man. Oh, nice. That's cool. So that reaction, the Jesus Christ, is like real. (laughs) Oh, I mean, that's good, though. That's like, you know what? I want to be fucking surprised. Absolutely. It looks terrifying. Yes. And seeing it for the first time is fucking frightening. Yeah, it is. And then I don't even, I feel like it's just probably because the film's reputation precedes it. Uh-huh. But I didn't even, I, it's so clever that that's what this is named. Yes. I feel like it would have been easier to just call it Summer Isle or uh-huh. something like that. But the Mid-summer. fact that it's, Midsummer, <laughs> you know, whatever. The fact that it's called The Wicker Man is so ominous in itself, especially since it's not referenced or seen right, right. until the literal end of the film. Yeah. yeah. And I got to tell you, to be honest, man, I knew the ending going into this. Yeah. Like everybody knows the ending of The Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is that the way it's executed I was so caught up in everything else going on that I fucking forgot. You're like, oh, yeah. 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 And so whenever he says he has an appointment with the Wicker Man, I'm like, that's the film. I'm yeah. <laughs> of course, shit. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about the Wicker Man very quickly. Seamus Flannery, who was the art director, said that he had found old drawings of Wicker Man that were supposedly used to burn sacrifices. Right. And he modeled this Wicker Man off of those drawings. There were also these rumors that there might have never been Wicker Men right. in use and that it was supposedly a rumor started by Julius Caesar. Uh, <laughs> Why? What? I guess to make enemies appear more barbaric than they actually were. But Julius. I, I think that it's a lot cooler <laughs> if the Wicker Man was real. Yeah, I, w- I want to believe... You don't need to believe in the Wicker Man. The Wicker Man believes in you. Don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that they actually built three Wicker Men. One was just the legs, mm-hmm. and we'll see shots of why later. Yeah. Uh, two of them were actually fully complete. And the very interesting thing is I looked it up, and as recently as, I think, March of 2021, mm-hmm. there are still remains of one of the Wicker Men in Scotland where this was filmed. Oh, that oh, is shit. cool. <laughs> That's oh, cool. Yeah. There's like, it's so crazy because of all the stuff that was shot on location. Yeah. Like, basically everything that you see in this film, you could actually go visit. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. And so it's like one of those films that you're like, well, you could make a tour out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The other thing was that originally the Wicker Man's eyes were supposed to be full of daisies. 
And when they did it, they said that it looked a little too friendly. Ah, all right. And so they're like, well, what if we dig holes and make it like cavernous eyes? So they did that and they said that it looked too evil. And so <laughs> that's how they ended up with the blank, the blank face. face yeah. And it works perfect. I think. Yeah, it, it does. But I mean, even if he looked friendly, aren't y'all supposed to be friendly? Yeah, I kind of I mean, would like to have seen what it looked like with the daisies yeah, in the eyes. Me too. I think it would it would honestly be eerier to me. I, yeah, I, probably. I agree, it's on fire. There's. Yeah. Right, <laughs> it's such a there's such a duality to everything that they do, uh-huh. yeah. And the fact that in their minds this is bringing life and this is sustaining them, but they're murdering someone, uh-huh. like that duality of we're doing a good thing, but look at it through Howie's point of view, yeah. So seeing that, why wouldn't we decorate it? We're this is an offering. We're doing something beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I I would have liked to see that honestly. I mean, everything else is it would kind make of more yeah. sense, you know. But Howie struggles against Oak, but of course is no match. And as they get closer, we see that there are live animals encaged inside of the Wicker Man as well. That yeah, made me sad. Poor they're, duck. I was like, yeah, at that duck. I was like, they're, oh, shit. they're like, we're uh, we're not taking any chances. No. We got we got a virgin. Yeah. We got animals. We got what it's do you like, want? If yeah. our crops <laughs> fail, <laughs> yeah. that's on us. <laughs> but yeah, there's pigs, chickens, cows, and ducks. And Oak carries Howie inside, closing the door and making him the centerpiece of the entire Wicker Man. Summer Isle calls out to the God of the Sun. This, this shot for me is perfect. Yeah. With the Wicker Man in the background in right. his hair, like whipping in the breeze, mm-hmm. his hands up. It's just amazing. It is. But he begs him to accept their sacrifice and make their blossoms fruit. Howie cries out that it's the Lord who laid waste to their orchards because truth has withered away in the sons of man. He says desire will fail and they'll all die accursed. Summer Isle is like, light this man up. (laughs) (laughs) That's about enough out of here. So one thing I did learn is that due to weather, they had to really pick their spots on when they could film stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if it clears up outside from all the snow and the rain and shit, yeah. maybe not snow, I guess more sleet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can go film some outside scenes. Uh-huh. So fucking move everything real quick. Let's film yeah. it. So when it came time to film what Howie is about to do, he had not the time to learn his lines. Right. And so they had giant cue cards in front of the Wicker Man for him to read. <laughs> and it's surprising to learn that. Because this is one of the most emphatic. Yeah. I was like, like I never would have guessed no, because it's very, like he's acting his ass off. Yeah. Yes. It feels very real. Oh, yeah. But they do set the Wicker Man on fire as music begins to play and the villagers lively sway and joyously sing, Summer is a coming in as flames travel up the legs of the statue. Can y'all at least do the corn rig song while you take me? (laughs) (laughs) That song is at least. Do you take requests? Yeah. I heard something about Summer Isle, Summer Isle. (laughs) (laughs) Can we do that? Um, I will say that, especially Christopher Lee, but the smile on his face is horrifying. Again, they're doing something good. Yes. This is securing their livelihood for another year mm-hmm. i mean in they their mind that that's exact, what's in yeah. their, exactly so i mean yeah of course it, they're fucking happy it is yeah. joyous they put up all these roadblocks to see if they could really still make this happen and it worked and they still made yeah. it happen and it's they're all happier than i've ever seen yeah. anyone <laughs> oh yeah 
But Animal Screech is how he begins to sing Psalm 23 with all the fury and faith left in him. That was, uh, and again, I'm not a fan of Howie at all. No. Um, that was heartbreaking yeah. to watch. He cries out to God as smoke chokes him, begging God to take his soul and spare him from the pain of hell and through Christ give him eternal life. The villagers continue to sing happily as Howie cries out to Daniel in pain screams. Now, I had to look this up because I didn't understand why he was screaming Daniel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the story of Daniel in the Bible is that Daniel was accused of favoring God over the king. Mm -hmm. And so he is thrown into a lion's den. Right. He prays and an angel saves him from the lions, which amazes the king and so the king throws the people who accused him into the lion den along with their families god damn right right <laughs> You're like, yeah. well, you know revenge is whatever yeah, it is. Well. it's a dish best served cold but um i thought it was very sad because what he's saying is i'm daniel yeah right now yeah, yeah. and it's like fuck yeah, yeah. but the head of the wicker man now fully engulfed in flames collapses as the camera closes in on the setting sun. I loved that shot of mm. it like bowing down yeah. almost. Yeah. And they said that again, this is all practical. That's yeah. incredible. They got a perfect shot of the wicker man collapsing. Right. And then zoom right into the sun. It's perfect. I can't, I can't get over the, that shot, <laughs> but as the clouds begin to cover the sun, the credits roll and that's that's the end. <laughs> I was like, how do we end this? <laughs> but I have to ask, what did you guys think of The Wicker Man? Uh, I I enjoyed this movie. I did. I, I won't lie. Uh, the second half wasn't the greatest for me. Okay. Um, like I said, I, I would watch it again. But um, at the I I did I was like oh man this is gonna be a warm side of the door situation <laughs> and and for me it just wasn't not saying that the music in here wasn't good mm -hmm. but it, it, I I was like it's not it's not warm side of the door I was like we're so, gonna be chasing that high for the rest of our lives I know nothing but, <laughs> is gonna be the warm side of the door I, <laughs> I gotta I gotta be hundred percent honest with you I love the warm side of the door <laughs> yeah. did it for you. very much but that fucking maple song. <laughs> I think it might have its number for me. Yeah. Maybe a recency bias. Maybe it might be because it's still stuck in my head yeah. as, as we speak. Um, I, I think it was just, it wasn't, I, I don't, I don't mean it in a bad way, but this movie was never scary to me. Okay. There was never a frightening moment or a mo There was a lot of, oh shit, you're going to be in trouble. Oh shit, you're getting set up. Oh, you're just being stupid now. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I never was like, oh fuck, this is scary. <laughs> like, yeah, the situation is frightening. But again, if they have been warning you every chance every turn stay in your room get out of here you don't belong here hey stop asking questions and the dude's still doing it i hate saying you asked for this but you've really put yourself in this corner dude and then them even being like look we like you said they were testing him uh -huh. it's like let's make sure his faith is whatever oh it is oh let's make sure that his uh solidarity is what oh it is and he kept doing it uh -huh. it's like all you had to do was sleep with this dude's daughter or you had to give well, into whatever 
<laughs> no, I mean, not like, I mean, like, like in hindsight. The, yeah. Yeah. You know one I mean? thing, one, one thing, thing would have saved your ass, dude. And you kept, I get it. And yeah, you stuck to your guns to the end. You know what I mean? More fucking power to you. But I mean, they're, they're. Their religion is pretty much the same thing what he was just, what he believes in. Right. So you can't really be like, oh, you're fucking crazy, but we're right. Uh-huh. You're doing the same shit he's <laughs> doing, dude. What the fuck? Yeah, and it's it's funny to me because I, I didn't even think about it until later, but even showing him take communion, the idea of communion is frightening. Yeah. When you yes, think about it. It is. And so I mean it inspired Midnight Mass. Which was great <laughs> <laughs> and frightening. Yeah. <laughs> so good things can come from it, but yeah. I think that it's this, it's those two ideas, I guess, put together. Yeah. And it makes for a really interesting, I guess, kind of battle. Right. When you think about it, and you can have so many different readings of this film because it all depends on what side of the aisle you lean on. Maybe. Right. Right. You might see Howie. I did read, and I think it was the Independent that a lot of evangelicals love this movie. Because they because say he's that, a martyr. Yeah. They, yeah, because he stuck to his yeah. guns or whatever. To me, I see it the exact opposite way. Yeah. yeah, I can I can totally see people thinking that. And I was even thinking as I was watching it that this is 1973. Uh-huh. And I bet a lot of people oh, yeah. sympathized with him, yeah. Yeah. agreed 100% with him. Not that people wouldn't today. Yeah. But, of course. Um, I had that thought while we while I was watching it. And I think to me what makes that so interesting is that for me it's kind of looking at it as like almost not not anti-religion but mm-hmm. almost in a way of telling you to think for yourself right in the way that howie was so stuck in his ways with his beliefs mm-hmm. he signed his own death warrant yeah. yeah and so is that what they call it a death warrant yeah all right. Well, he signed it. <laughs> Why did that feel weird? I don't know. You ever have words feel weird in your mouth? Every day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's just such an interesting discussion of theology and mythology to me, especially the fact that, especially during this time, when you think about religion and 73, I believe Exorcist came out in 73 as well. So there's a lot of like discussions oh, yeah. of religion and yeah. stuff. But when you look at it, what Howie does is the exact thing that is supposed to save you from this exact fate. Yep. Yeah. And it's the exact thing that damned him mm-hmm. to it. That's fucking incredible. And scary. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this film was a lot. I enjoyed it more than I had anticipated because you know when you already know the ending of something it's like okay we're just getting to the ending like i already know what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. but there were still so many moments of tension and so many things that were that felt unnerving like i physically felt uncomfortable at times yeah and i feel like i don't even know how much was purposeful and the intention behind the film but there is so much duality touched on as far as uh christianity versus paganism Mm -hmm. of like you said this faith is supposed to be something that protects him and Mm -hmm. keeps him safe but it damned him and it led to his death the fact that this civilization is supposed to be so loving and free but it's still very much a patriarchy this man is in charge Mm -hmm. that this whole thing is supposed to be led by a woman figure and it's a man dressed as a woman like there there's so much weird shit in that by itself that i feel like i don't think it was on accident and so the fact that this seems like parallels of each other that 
how he is. Oh no, Jesus. And you, you're naked. And why are they naked? Why are they having sex? This is wrong. This is bad. And you're supposed to think that this other side is just the opposite and it's free love and it's enlightening, but there's darkness there too. Uh So it's like, I feel like the takeaway here is there is no right anything like there's no 100 percent right, right answer right, right and the fact that how he couldn't just fucking find common ground or put his own shit to the side to just do what he was supposed to do mm. and then go home uh-huh. like that like <laughs> that's your whole purpose that, yeah. that's literally <laughs> all you were supposed to do every you had every opportunity for this not mm. to be your fate and you still were so bullheaded and devout that you just you yeah. couldn't break out of it mm-hmm. like i it's just the film is so great on its own, but when you really start to look and be like, well, I don't know if they meant this, but, but wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving. It is. And the, all the more reason to watch it again, because For sure. you see all these little moments and it's just so incredibly paced in the way that they craft everything. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I am very surprised at how much I love this movie. I thought I would like it a lot, but it really, the more, like you're saying, you peel back these layers, Yeah, it's so incredible. And again, it all depends on your reading of the film because this film has many readings. Yeah. And again, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to no, interrupt you, but the fact that it's Summer Isle and his name is Lord, like you're a Lord. Yeah. Summer Isle, like you named all of this. Yeah. I, mean, I know it wasn't him. It was his grandfather or whatever, but it's just we're all supposed to be living from the earth and it's peace and love, but they're still calling you my lordship. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, there's such a duality there that doesn't, it doesn't fit together. It doesn't gel. I mean, there's even a disconnect. And you live in a fucking mansion. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just like, he's, he's the 1%. (laughs) 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 But it's one of those things that like, even, but it, it, it's the exact same thing that comes up whenever you talk about like utopian societies, all it takes, and he may care for these people a lot, but what does absolute power do? It corrupts. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. I mean, and I think that's one thing I love so much about this film is that it ends on the side of the Wicker Man burning down. We have no idea yes. what the fuck their harvest is. I wanted to talk about that too yeah. because I don't feel like we should know. No. Mm-hmm. A and B, I don't know which ending would even be more satisfying. You want to know that... <laughs> The stupid ending that the new owners of the production company said that they should do. They said what should happen. And this to me, (laughs) (laughs) this to me speaks of people who A, don't know films and B, I guess the kind of culture war that was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of fears of maybe the hippie movement that were tied into this. I I can totally see that. Yes. But they say, (laughs) they said what should happen is that through all the praying, it begins to rain. Stop it. Stop. And how he is saved. Wow. <laughs> of course he is. You know what that feels like What's when that? Flanders house catches on fire and he's like, it's me, Ned. And yeah. then it rains and puts it out. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> that's not the story we're telling. Absolutely not. This ending to me is perfect. Yeah, it is. Don't fucking rain. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that can lead us into ratings on the positive side. I think the performances in this film are fantastic. There's a lot of very interesting ideas that are brought up, conflicting and kind of contrasting in ways that, again, depending on where you sit in the aisle, yeah, a lot of interesting discussions can be had. I think in that way, it's very smart. And the twist works so well for me, even though I knew it going in. Yeah. 
like that's what got me that's why i was like oh this will be fun or this will right, be right and the fact that so many people requested it i'm yes. like of course it's gonna be good but i already know what happened didn't you determine that this was tied it is tied with our most requested film of all time period that's yeah. in, that's that's amazing yeah i when i read all those names up front i was like is this the end of the show where right. i read that <laughs> it was intense i get it though i get why so many people would want us to watch and talk about this movie because yeah i think it's great uh i will say that it is something of a slow burn Mm-hmm. Because it starts. <laughs> Why do you yeah. say it like that? <laughs> well, it, it, it that was something too that that I. I know you don't love you yeah. don't love slow burn. I personally enjoyed it because it kind of starts as this like police procedural and grows into a horror film. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't start that way, and that's so interesting to me. I I just think it works so well. It's like this pioneer of folk horror. So many people have aped off of it, did homages to it, and for good reason. For mm-hmm. sure. Before I call out one of my favorite things about this film, I have to call out the beautiful scenery mm-hmm. and the production design and the art design of The Wicker Man. But it comes down to the music, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean we're, all, we're all here for the same yeah. reasons. <laughs> But um, no, I think the story is great. It's very well written. The only negative I can come up with is that I can possibly see how someone watching this could say this is too slow. Right. I can very easily see that. Yeah. For me, it worked, but I see how it couldn't work for someone else. Yeah. But for me, and I'm very surprised to say this, but out of 10 specifically selected sacrifices, (laughs) I am going to give the Wicker Man 9.5 specifically selected sacrifices out of 10 Damn. I, yeah, yeah i honestly i came here with a nine this is one of the most fun episodes that i've ever sat down to record <laughs> mm-hmm. i thought that this one would be fun but it yeah. was it was and i think it could someday be a 10 but i need to have more time with it uh but until then a 9.5 i'm very happy with that yeah but i will now open the floor to you um I had never seen this movie. Like I said, I've heard of the Nick Cage one, but I didn't know that it was a remake to this. Right. I didn't know the ending to this, so I went in pretty much not knowing anything. Really? Yeah, at all. Um, so the all, I, I did enjoy the movie. Yeah, the music was great. Uh, like I said, <laughs> the one, the Maypole song went on a little too long, um, but it was... It was on fire that was, it was, yeah. Yeah. that was the club mix. um <laughs> yeah and i mean he just after a while i don't want to say like a lot of it was telegraphed but but i i kind of felt after men and i was like you're you're being taken for a ride dude and you're not even seeing what's happening yeah and and it was a little slower for my taste than i'd like i did say earlier also that i i was never like frightened you know what i mean yeah. um the situation's very terrifying, but other than that, I mean, there none of them have any superpowers. None of them are, you know what I mean? None of them are ghosts yeah. or like it's like, I, I, three of y'all are like super old. I'm gonna kick your ass immediately, and then you know what I mean. But I mean, aside from that, it's really good. The music, like you said, is good. Everything is beautiful. Uh, the ending, I feel like I. I I don't know if it was maybe because the second half felt a little slower and it was just kind of, yeah, things were happening one after the other, mm-hmm. but it was, it was just that, you know, it was all just set up to the end. 
Um, and that did kind of hurt it for me. But I did enjoy this movie. This was a good movie. I will watch it again. I kind of want to watch it again just so that I can watch it without having to pause and take notes and everything. Yeah. Um, I didn't enjoy that he was just kind of dumb after a while. <laughs> um, again, going without any kind of uh, club or any anything. I get it. And then if you're going there to investigate a missing child, do that. Yes. Just do that. Yeah. Do yeah. <laughs> just do that. I I you know what I mean? I'm all for it. You're you're strong in your faith and you believe what you believe. I'll yeah. never tell you to change it, but dude just you you came for your job, dude. Uh-huh. I don't want a book. I don't need a speech. I don't you know what I mean? I'm proud of you for what you know what I mean, doing you. Yeah. Just let's talk about the missing kid. <laughs> we don't need to do anything else. Just that. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what you came here for. Let's get it done. You asked your questions. All right. Be on your way. Take it back to the... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, get. You know? Yeah. Um, but this is a good movie. And if you've never seen it, I'd recommend watching it. It is a fun ride. Uh, I will say that the comedy of the music, whether they wanted to be funny or not, uh, it did, I don't want to say hurt it, but it changed a lot of the tone for me yeah. at times. And it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> But not in a bad way. Like I said, the music's not not saying the music's bad because the music was good. Yeah. But the I guess the tone of what was supposed to be happening in the movie, it kind of took me well, out the, of the it. The first half really feels like a no, fucking yeah, yeah. musical. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but with all that said, for me, I'm going to give Wicker Man on a scale from one to ten, specifically selected sacrifices, a 7.5. Wow. Uh, I I did like the movie and it is good, but like it is just a tad bit slow for me. Right. And I've been trying to appreciate a little more of a slow burn movie. Um, but like I said, the ending, I feel like all that set up for just them to sing Kumbaya. And then it was like, oh man, it was <laughs> like, that was it. You know, it was like, that's. <laughs> I, I don't I do I agree with you. There didn't need to be no rain and him climbing out. Oh come on, yeah. You know what I mean? We, what we didn't would they need have all done that. after? I, I like yeah, they're no, still gonna kill you. The, yeah, 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 no shit. It's probably gonna be worse now. Yeah, yeah. the rain's not gonna yeah, stop. Yeah, they're gonna them. stomp you to death <laughs> yeah. in the rain. It's like what no, the fuck? Lightning strikes them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really, really liked this. Um I will say I have a further appreciation for it after talking about it mm-hmm. because I, I am unpacking things that I didn't even realize that I noticed or that I had taken in right. until we we're talking about it. Um, I really like the fact that there's not really a villain right. or mm-hmm. a hero. Like they're both depending, like you said, where you sit, they could both be cast as either. Oh yeah. And in my mind, you know, I don't like, sergeant howie and how he conducts himself and how he treats people but it was very sad to me watching him pray yeah and still stand strong in his faith literally as he's dying but summerisle and i really liked him well, when i met him and i he's got a slick ass mouth and i yeah. love that <laughs> but there's something not right because like you said when he was like you're gonna be next it's like no 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 yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. light him up we don't need anything nobody listen to him yeah. strike that from the record <laughs> like it's like this is <laughs> you, you probably are yeah. like I mean 
there's some kind of disconnect there where he is a man of the people, but you're still living in a mansion. Mm. This island is still named after you. Mm-hmm. Like you probably got the last of the fresh oh, crops. Yeah. Let's be oh, honest. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's something weird there too. And I do feel like women are kind of used as bait used as, I mean, there's something weird going on in the society. I'm all for the being naked. I'm all for oh, the, yeah. the stomp after dark and the <laughs> fucking field. Do you, yeah. I love that for mm-hmm. you. There's something strange here. There's something yeah. off. Um, probably the sacrificing people. You know, part. yeah, I think probably that. I can't really put my finger on it. We'll talk. But we'll, you know, yeah, yeah um, we'll figure it out. But, uh, I mean, besides the, <laughs> besides the sacrifice, um, but it, it's a fucking journey and it's a ride. And there's moments where I'm like, I don't like you, but please stop. Yeah. You're a lamb being mm. led to the slaughter and you're just oh, letting yeah. it happen. Uh, it's a lot. I was very tense, very unnerved, very uncomfortable at certain moments where it feel. I feel like that's like, I don't want to say triggering, but it really hit something inside me where it's like a person's an outsider in this group of people that yeah. all have their own like, I don't want to say beliefs, like almost like our own inside joke. Like yeah, we're yeah. all in on it, yeah. but you're over there. There's something about that that really fucking scares me. And so this really, what I say, my scaredy bone, yeah, yeah, yeah. it really hit there. <laughs> Honestly, from the moment that he got onto the island. Yeah. And the old and men then, are laughing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And from then on, it just unfurls and gets deeper and deeper and worse and worse. But I really, I'm surprised at how much I like this, especially going in, knowing the ending. Yes. Um, I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't want to, of course, I know that this is a giant in, in horror cinema. And I know that it influenced a lot of films that Midsummer would not have happened if the Wicker yeah. Man didn't happen. Like, I not know that. Yeah. But even so, I'm like, I'm impressed. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to sound like shitty, but I didn't expect to like it this much. And for there to be, in my mind, so many hidden meanings and so many like, Depending on what mood you're in when you watch it, you might come away with something different. Like yeah. It's just, again, the gift that keeps on giving. And I really do appreciate it. Um, so on a scale from one to ten, specifically selected sacrifices. You got I it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give The Wicker Man a nine out of ten. Wow. I am very impressed by what this film does without really honestly a bias of tipping their hand one way or the other, that this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. Uh It's really just (laughs) the dude, since it is a documentary, (laughs) which never came up again, (laughs) by the way, Um, I still don't know why they did that. I don't know either, but, um, that's where the point five went. (laughs) (laughs) I really, really liked this. Yeah. And I think the most important thing about it though, is that it takes place in the summer. summer, Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate The Wicker Man and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at The Podmortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, if you try to force your beliefs on others, no matter your intentions, your attempt just might go up in flames. Until next time.
Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special shout out to all of our Wind Go Getter patrons. Somewhere else, somewhere else. And on that, <laughs> oh, fuck. and on that show, there were some friends. <laughs> <laughs> and of those friends, they had some names. <laughs> so we're gonna do everyone from now on. <laughs> we're just doing palumpas now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M, Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Linda, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Michelle Moore, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexius Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Amanda Aliff, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Nicholas Carter, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman, and Towton Watson. Hey. Long list. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate all of you and we want you all to know that we folking love you so much. Ah. Hey, yeah. That's good. That's good. Folk horror. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Somewhere Somewhere else else. Else. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting for <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>